let's let's just you know what no preamble no nothing let's just get it to it well you know what said steve and then steve realized that i have to do one other thing i'm sorry I apologize to my guests. I apologize to the listeners. I apologize to everyone. Here we go. Christmas and God bless us everyone. This is the time to celebrate and celebrate we shall. We're celebrating the evergreenness of one of the greenest lightsabers I've ever seen in my life. Welcome to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out on the internet. It's the Christmas edition of Geek Out Loud, and we're glad to have you along with us. And no Christmas party is complete without a few friends stopping by. Ladies and gentlemen, you know him, you love him. Somehow, he always shows up at just the right time. Who? Shaz Bazaar. Shaz Bazaar, Shaz Bazaar. Ooh, baby. Ooh, baby. He's making me crazy. Every time, every time, every time. Every time I look around. Every time I look around. He's at my door. Yeah. Shaz Bazaar, how are you, buddy? <laughs> Excelsior, pal. <laughs> Excelsior. Wait, I can't do that. Excelsior. I, you know That's who? Much better. I, well, no, I don't think I do a good. I've never tried to do a Stan Lee. I always feel like when people do him, they put much more gruff in their voice than Stan actually had back in the day when he was doing like the uh, Spider-Man and his Excelsior. amazing friends and stuff. Face front, true believer. Um. But instead of trying to sound like an old newsman, let's bring in an old newsman. And now, the most listened to man in South Georgia radio. And he's all over the place when it comes to podcasting. Ladies and gentlemen, half of Scott Rifen. <laughs> 
Scott Rifen. How are you, man? I'm old, apparently. Well, you know, you're an old. That's you're, what I heard. You're a classic. Heard. You're classic, is what you are. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Original flavor. <laughs> vintage. Vintage yeah. Scott Rifen. <laughs> I, I feel more retro than vintage, but that's okay. Well, okay. I'll give you retro. That's fine. <laughs> I'll beat up around the edges and everything. <laughs> that's about right. Yeah. Five points of articulation. Yeah, that's yes. yes. Barely, barely five points of articulation. Let me, you know what, guys? I, as another year has come and gone, I do feel like I'm getting less and less articulated. And <laughs> <laughs> I am, I am sitting here with five points of articulation this Christmas. So, um, Garrison, thank you. The Skype feed is a little low on Mixler. So, if you guys could give me some volume on your end because I've got you crunk. Is this doing over here? So, oh, is this thing on? How about this? How about it? Is that good? Is that better? Uh, yeah. Better one, better two. I gotta uh, go on my system preferences. Uh -oh. I think that's about all I got, man. It's gain. No, he's got the gain all the way. Good lord, this kid's got some volume on his thing. How about now? This is, I, I'm burying it. Yeah, you're good. I'm, I'm having to crank you up as well on my end. Uh, no. I, I had the gain pulled back because the, the, the ringer on the Skype, you can't disable. And if the game, yeah, if the gain is remotely there, then you just can't, uh, yeah, it's, you're, you're, you're better Shaz. Rifen is checking it out and giving it a listen to see how things rock and roll. But, uh, Hey everyone, welcome to geek out loud and Shaz. Thanks you for being here or thank you for being here. Scott, thank you for being here as we work out all the bugs at the outset of the show. We, you know, <laughs> this is one of those things could have been done prior, but you know, why would I do that? Why wouldn't I just do it live with everyone listening? Speaking of bugs, we watched Ant-Man while we were down in South Florida. Have you not seen it? No, we watched it again. Okay, I mean, cool. We can what get back a, to the hotel room at night and watch it. What a fun little movie Ant-Man is. It really is. It, it really is. It was one of the, outside of the first Iron Man, it was really one of the most surprising of the Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe movies for me because I was surprised at how much I came away enjoying it and, and loving what it had what it brought to the table. So, and that first Ant Man movie was directed by whom? Uh, Peyton Reed, I believe. Who directed what? What? Um, did he he directed an episode of The Mandalorian? Did he direct, did he direct the season finale? Why, as a matter of fact, he did. Oh, he did. I didn't That's realize right. that. <laughs> I, I I think I did kind of realize that, but I don't think oh, I realized that. I thought that. that was a planned segue. I no. thought you guys had worked that out already. No, sir. I never work out anything. Oh, as, I thought it was playing along. As evidenced by my enormous size. Um, which, by That's... the way, look, I want to take time, speaking of my enormous size, <laughs> I want to take time to pat Scott Rifen on the back from a distance because, you know, we don't touch people in the days of COVID. Um, <laughs> Scott has lost... Social distance. Scott back. has lost 237 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Now, wait a minute. I'm not Adam Bray. Now, come no. on. <laughs> right. Adam used to cosplay as Steve Glosson yes, <laughs> at <he did>. conventions, <laughs> and now he now he has to stuff his shirt to do that. Yeah, <laughs> now, he used to be a Steve Glosson cosplayer. Now he's a Shaz Bazaar cosplayer. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but you're not far, man. Look at you. You've, you've wasted away during this pandemic. Yeah, well, you know, the funny thing, everybody keeps complaining. I've lost, I've gained so much weight, I don't understand it. It's like, Dude, you got more time than ever to go exercise. Go exercise. Yeah. So, and that's that's what I've been doing. Uh, you know, I've been on my bike, and uh, you know, it's low impact. It doesn't 
you know, it's not like jogging or anything that you know, destroys your knees and stuff like that. The only thing is, like, in, in the middle of the night, my hips kill me. I don't mm. know what that is all about. Mm. But Hips don't lie. Yeah, that's true. And mine are, <laughs> mine are telling me the truth every night. Do, but uh, you Now, you're yeah. rocking a townie, right? When it yeah. comes to your bike yeah. ride? Nice. I'm, I'm flying on it, though. I mean, it's pretty much... I'm only working the top three gears on it at this point. So. I'm not. I'm not making fun. I'm just filling in details for our listeners. So, um, yes. the old townie bikes. That's. I mean, like, look. I've heard for for folks like us, that's the way to go. Well, you know, that, the funny funny you say that because um, I had an old mountain bike and I went in to get it tuned up uh, a couple of years ago, and the guy at the bike shop was like, he didn't say it in these words, but he might as well. You know, you're too fat to ride that. Oh, and. Uh, <laughs> What he did say was, I'm not going to fix that up for you. And I said, why not? He goes, because fat man on a little bike. Mm. And I went, oh, okay. Uh, and he's like, you'll be better off on the townie. So I said, okay, can I go fast on the townie? He's like, yeah, you can go fast. But he can't really go fast. <laughs> can I go fast? But, Ricky, who are you, Ricky Bobby? <laughs> he's rocking out 26 miles an hour. Come on, that ain't <laughs> yeah. slow. No. Hey, hey, if you ain't first, you're last, son. Can I go That's fast right. on That's the right. townie? <laughs> Old Lance so, Arms, uh, old Lance Arms, drawing out there. Yeah, <laughs> <On> the <laughs> I don't like that. You know, you don't get anything out of going slow. So um, you know, but uh, so no, yeah. But so he sold me the townie, mm. and uh, after that, I let it sit for a couple of years. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought now. See, I thought the townie was a relatively new thing that you got th- on this this time of of permanent weight loss. A permanent. Thank you. Yeah. And we all know the story of that. Well, no, I'm uh, saying like this time around, though, like Scott, like we've talked about it off air where like, you know, the the multiple times we've tried, there's always that 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 snap back as you like to talk yep. about, you know, the yep. it, where you kind of take retribution upon yourself for all that you've deprived yourself of. <laughs> yes. And, and yes. you powered through that this time because this is a year long situation at this point, right? Started in February. Yeah. Uh, had had the bike for a little bit, and the wife is the one who dragged me onto my bike. And we just started that in March. And uh, today I crossed, since since March 1st, I've done, I've ridden over 1,700 miles on the bike. Wow. Wow. So. That's a, as, uh, now do you have a basket on the front of your townie? And a bell. And a bell. <laughs> I, well, see, actually I have the choice between the bell and the horn. So uh, I can either ching, 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 or I can go, bam, bam. There you great. <laughs> yeah, 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 because it sucks in and out. That's true. The little ball on the end of it. Yeah. Now, I'm looking at accessories for a townie right now, and I see a, a mm-hmm. koozie cruiser cup. You have one no. of those? No? You need to get one no, of those? No, I'm going too fast for that stuff. How about a how about a mirror, a rear view mirror? Uh, well, that I could probably use. Yeah. You know, the, the biggest thing is, like, I have friends who go, oh, you're riding your bike. We should ride together. And it's like, dude, you don't understand. <laughs> I'm not talking while you're not, I'm on the bike. You're not trying to do the scene from the Muppets take or the Muppet, the Great Muppet Caper. You're <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's talking to me. But boy, the, the cadence those guys have. No, not it's not just you. There's like, <laughs> like three different people. You did, you did. You were like, I'm going to get my bike and drive over from Alabama and then ride with you and then go home because that's the way he does. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, uh, right. I'm going to drive five hours to ride thirty minutes with you and then drive five hours back. So, but, um, no, you're not alone. That's the thing. It's like other people, you know, we never get to talk anymore. I should come over and ride with you. We still won't talk. That's right. Cause we're doing business when we're on that bike. Yes. That's right. Well, the whole point is you don't want to sit on the couch while Scott's out riding. It doesn't matter if you're talking or not. <laughs> well, you, go along. you know, the last uh, time, the last time I was on a bike, I was with Shaz Bazaar. 
Yep. And we almost oh, had to have you did the Stranger Things with yeah, Steve. Yeah. The yeah. Other Steve? Yeah. And we almost had to have it surgically removed once I got on that thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, look, we, you, Scott, you tried to make, but anyhow, congratulations. You look great, man. I like you Thank sent you. us the comparison picture the other day from around this time last year, and and um, and it's just absolutely, it's a stunning transformation that should give anyone the inspiration to do what you've done and and adam has done and so many others and so uh so who knows what will happen in two maybe maybe 2021 is the year when steve's like you know what i am finally big shrinking steve not big honking uh, honest honest to goodness steve there's no 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 joke this time um the biggest thing is no excuses. Right. Just staying with it. No um, excuses. Because you know I'm busy. You know how busy I am. Right. Yeah. And that's always been my excuse. Oh, I'm just too busy. Sorry, I can't do it. I'd love to do it, but I'm too busy. And I've just decided, you know what? I'm going to rearrange my schedule. And there have been some nights. Hey, it's been, this, you know, I get up at 3.19 in the morning. And there have been some nights where I've got work nights. And you know what? 10 o'clock at night, I'm out riding my bike because that's when I could do it. So, you know, it, the biggest thing is just no excuses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, someone says, uh, I see Mrs. Gulch from Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah. Scott yeah. riding through <laughs> riding through the mean streets of Brunswick. And we had a tornado the other day and I just kept riding right through it. And so. you just laughed and you just cackled and cackled the yeah, whole way. That's right. <laughs> It was not a thing for me. Oh, well, I listen, I call this meeting to order officially, guys, <laughs> with this situation here. I don't know if this is gonna come through or not. What's we need on? to congromit. Yes. Yeah, it congromit. Well, uh, there's something I do want to emphasize on, and and I just want to go ahead and not not bury the lead at all because, um, I, this is the statement I'm going to make for, oh gee whiz, for three years now, um, whiny fanboys like myself have been told to shut up and sit down, and then yes, in in, in just this past or just last Friday. It was as if a million fanboys suddenly cried out, "It's Luke," and um, <laughs> you know, it was for three for three years. You were told you'll get nothing and like it. That's exactly that's right. You'll own nothing and like it. And um, and 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 they were like, and this time it was like, no, here's here is this, and um, and and what's amazing, I never watch reaction videos. I I, I find them. I find them kind of just annoying, to be honest with you, because they it was it's it was fun when it was spontaneous and someone just happened to catch somebody's yeah. reaction, but now it's a whole thing. Well, when they're squeezing visine into their eyes before they start watching, right. you're like, okay, <laughs> got a problem. Streaking glycerin down their cheeks and that kind of thing. Right, but now I have I have. I have sat and watched some montages of some reactions of different people and. In some instances, there are people who are in groups with like, apparently they do like a whole thing. Maybe it's like some kind of podcasting group or YouTube group. And then in other instances, it's just like a couple of people sitting there. But in every single one, this was this was the order of events. Oh, an X-Wing. I wonder if it's Filoni and that guy or that guy. Then, wait a minute. No. No way. Is that... No, it can't be. No, wait a minute. Glove. It's a glove. Oh my god! And then and then just nuts from there all the way. And then as the doors open and the, well, who they get to play him? 
Who's it going to? And the, I mean, like, it's this amazing. And I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, those are the exact same things that I went through. <laughs> and it's true. And here's the, in the common denominator through every single one was it's Luke. Those two words shouted in pure yep. joy from man, woman, child, old person like myself, just it's Luke. And 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 with that, like there was just something about for a moment all was right in the, in the yeah. Star Wars galaxy. Shaz, it was just amazing. We we uh we're watching it. we got up cuz we were fixing to drive all day, so I got Luke up at 5 and we're watching it and uh uh Cara Dune says, oh, great, one X-Wing, we're saved. And then it just cuts to the video uh, screen of him coming in, and I look over at Luke, and he looks at me, and we're, we both, it's Luke. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so you were a believer from the get-go. I, I was all about, you know, it was Filoni, but the other two didn't jump in. I figured there would be three if it was Filoni, and, and as soon as she said, one X-Wing, we're saved, I was like, oh, they are. They are saved. <laughs> I just, I just, I think in my mind, we've been so conditioned to think, Scott, that Luke's not going to show up at all, that, you know, that we're done with him, that it just never occurred to me that they would actually do the work of having Luke Skywalker show up on screen. You know, they, the, the scuttlebutt was the only real logical solution would be to have Luke show up it based on the timeline and looking for a Jedi, mm -hmm. the, the, the only real solution, but there are so many times when you can work around a real solution. Uh, after all, we, we did spend many seasons of a TV show wherein, uh, Anakin who wasn't a master had a Padawan and we explained that away. So, um, yeah, when, when he started, when the X-Wing showed up, I thought it was the Korean guy. What's his name? I can't remember. The Canadian guy. Yeah. The Canadian Korean guy. I can't and, think of his uh, name. But I did start looking for the stripes. I started going, how many stripes does that have? Is that, is that, are those five stripes on the top of that wing? But I couldn't see. Couldn't see them. Right. Yeah. But once the lightsaber came out and it was green, and then the glove, and then I started going, you know, it's been five years. Could he not get that fixed? Well, I mean, look, <laughs> it, it, I, and I told you in a text thread because you were trying to be a smart aleck about that same, that very same thing. <laughs> I was like, I, it's a symbol. He wears it as a symbol for himself and as a reminder to himself of what he almost became. And and I think it totally works. It works better than it than the whole, I guess, the flesh having rotted off of the mechanical hand and just having a metal hand sitting there. Yeah. You know, I, that's something I didn't understand in in the sequel trilogy. I'm not mad about it. I just didn't understand <laughs> it. I was like, that just seems kind of weird that he'd sit there with his mechanical hand going rather than. And, and, you know, you also got this great moment, and maybe this was Filoni doing this, I don't know, but you got this great moment where I think probably a bunch of kids played when they were very, very young, which was Luke Skywalker slashing up a bunch of Micronauts. Yeah. Yes. How much better does he get? <laughs> when, I, when you guys were texting before I'd gotten to see it, and you said he's they're, they're fighting Micronauts right now, I was like, Micronauts? What does he mean? And then I got to look at those dark troopers. I'm like, they do look like the Micronauts bad guy. Yeah, they really do. I thought, I really thought that was, and I guess I'm not, I shouldn't say this. I should just say they structured it very well with showing the Mandalorian have such a hard time with the one dark trooper. And, 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 and the, and the stakes of this episode were high the entire time. Like I continuously thought someone's going to die. 
someone's going to die. And, and then the, the, the trouble he had with that dark trooper just really set up how dangerous and deadly and how dire the circumstances were. And then I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. You know, like that's yeah, really, that one. you know, that's really what happened in that moment. And, and, and Shaz, it was Luke's Darth Vader from Rogue One moment. Yeah, Luke's Darth Vader from Rogue One. It's still kind of hot, huh? The mic. Yeah, you know, you're good now. You're better. Okay. Yeah. It's blasting on my side. But still, it, it, it was, it, you know, you're going through there and it's just one thing after another. He pulls a uh, Mace Windu, you know, just kind of crushing an entire <laughs> dark trooper with his hand. Is Mace Windu from the Gindy's Clone Wars From the Gindy Tartakovsky, right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did like the fact that he couldn't just take them out, you know, just straight take them out. He had to be creative and find different new ways to take out. The it's like, come on, buddy, mine actually reached out and said, "Boy, those troopers shouldn't have just been robots. They should there should have been people in there." I was like, at that point, Luke wouldn't have slashed through all of them. That's right. right. You have to understand. Exactly there's right. a reason why there were battle droids in Episode One and not stormtroopers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It but it also, like I say, they were they were formidable enough, though, that it really, oh, yeah. you know, for him to walk through, it, it. I say it's the Luke, it's the Darth, it's Luke's Darth Vader in Rogue One moment because, you know, everyone with Rogue One said, "Oh, that's the Darth Vader we've always wanted to see," you know, blah blah blah, and yeah. and the truth is, it's like, well, that's the Luke that we wanted to see. You know, yep, that's the look we wanted to see when we heard seven was coming. Out. Right, fully realizing his power, fully realizing his potential, and and just doing what only Luke Skywalker can do. You know, flying in without a helmet or a flight suit, just getting out <laughs> in his black suit and his cloak and doing his thing, man. And the R two in tow. Mm hmm. Everybody likes the the black cloak this these days, you know. Yeah, you got Boba Fett. You got Luke Skywalker. Everybody's got the Boba right, right. Boba Fett, it's slimming. Is it, though? <laughs> yeah. yeah well, it, it is until... And yet. <laughs> and yet. It is until he puts that armor on. Then it's like, eh. Yeah. You, know, yeah. <clears throat> let me, you know... You know what's neat about the Boba Fett? The Bo repaint that he did makes him look like the 12-inch action figure. Yes. To me. Yes. He looks like the classic large-size Boba Fett figure. Absolutely agree with that. I When I saw that, I'm like, oh, they're just action figure in this. I thought action figure the minute he walked out in that mess. Yes, yes. With the repaint and everything. But also, I'm sitting there thinking, Boba, don't you have a townie up in that Slave 1 you can get out and ride around, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> Scott can show you how to do it, man. Take him around the lab, a few but, laps around the neighborhood. That's not a problem. The book of Boba Fett's going to begin like this. Finnick, I look too much like Jabba. I need to get on. <laughs> what is it about this chair? It makes everybody do this. Everybody. And we're going to get a workout montage. <laughs> How many calories are those frogs? <laughs> are those frogs? <laughs> How many and so, yeah, the first episode of the book of Boba Fett is basically <laughs> going to be him running laps through the through the palace and everything. Yep. Need a montage. Yeah, we need a montage. Um, hey, oh, speaking of which, and speaking of Rocky, I don't know if you caught this. And I, the guy's he's got to be he's got to be uh, he's got to be poking us. He's got to be trolling us. Something. So when Mando comes out. You got Ludwig Göransson doing the music, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we—I think a lot of us all talked about how many Bill Contiisms we heard in his in the music for Mandalorian. Right. Mm -hmm. 
especially the Rocky stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I saw an interview with him and they asked him about that. And he's like, Oh no, no, I, I really borrowed a lot from early John Williams. It's really it's early John Williams stuff that I was really focused on and inspired by. Now <clears throat> this season ends. Have, have, Steve, have you ever seen Rocky? Yeah. A couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> Rocky ends with this, this thing called Rocky's redemption. That's right. Yeah. It's nothing but, but, kind of a thematic reworking of some of the some of the themes of the film in just just a string arrangement and yes, nothing sir. but a string arrangement you telling me are you telling me about this right now is that no what no i'm no i'm saying for the benefit of those that's playing the home game and so how does mando season two end it ends with a, a, a simply a pure string arrangement of the themes from mandalorian yes yeah not this one wait a minute that's, that's rocky two wait a minute that's, that's the yeah that's, that's the redemption. opening of rocky two that's a redemption yeah. not rocky's that's redemption. redemption i'm yeah. sorry um no 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 it's rocky's redemption it's at the end of okay. rocky balboa is where it really is um and it is just that uh that like you say it's kind of a reworking of that with um with just the strings, just strings. It, if you watch the end of the movie yeah if you watch the end of the movie um it, it's there as he's standing on the top yeah. of the steps. Yeah. So for, for whatever reason, I've got the wrong program pulled up and it's not all on, it's not on Amazon music well, and that's really ticking me off. So I got to go to, iTunes. I did spring that on you. Sorry. It's fine. I should have had iTunes pulled up already, <clears throat> but yeah. It's, so when are they playing? When, are, when is he doing something like that? Are you talking about like during oh, the, the closing credits of the season finale is nothing but a pure string rendition of the themes for Mandalorian. Mm. <laughs> and it's like, come on, man. Come yeah. on. So you think he's trolling us? I, he's got to be because he's just, I mean, he's doing so many little Bill Contiisms. It's driving me nuts. He's, uh, it's great stuff, though. I mean, he's, he's, he's nailing it like every single week. Oh, yeah. He, he is, um, it, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. I, I always thought when he, um, I think it's Rocky's Reward is what we're thinking of. Rocky's Reward, yes, that's Rocky's yeah. Revenge. That's yeah. right. Rocky's Revenge, that's not Rocky's right. Redemption. Rocky's Reward. Rocky's Reward. That's yeah. right. That's what it is. If I can, oh my gosh, what is going on with my stuff tonight? I ain't no. It's not your fault. It's my fault. It's not you. It's me. It's, Are it we is. breaking up, Steve? No, no, no. It's uh, something's going on with the old. I don't know. Who who can really say? It's gonna be a heartbreak tonight. Um, nope. Oh, I'm sorry. Heartache tonight. But I know. When in the in the uh, in the first season when they would play through the um, when the credits would play and it like it does the whole ba doo do do yeah and then you're like okay oh I see you I hear you and then it breaks into the the Rocky dun 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 yeah and um. <clears throat> And I thought I, I I I was like you, and then you even said, "Hey, if you will listen to the Jawa situation or something, um, it, it was in the second episode of the first season. Like you ruined it for me because you're like, listen oh, to it. He's playing. It's this track from Rocky Two. And oh yeah, yes. <laughs> and I was like, come on, man, <laughs> don't do that. Sorry, that got that was really loud. Hold on. I totally apologize. See, this is what happens when you plug in an extra um sound card that you've been taking back and forth between the church and your house. 
<laughs> and all this, and it picks up, and it's like, I'm going to do it on this particular card you just plugged in. And I'm like, no, that's not what I want. But it doesn't listen. Daggummit. Sorry about that. No, no, no. It's not. It's, but that's, it's not that's on YouTube. That's I was talking about, though. Right. Yes, that is it. And so they did. I don't remember them doing that on the. On the, the end of the episode, at the end of the episode, pull it up. At the end of the episode, he just goes into a purely sh- strings-only version yep. of hmm. the Mandalorian music. And, of course, no paintings, just over black. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would have loved that to see That kind of threw me. It, me, too. I mean, like, it, like I, I don't understand why they didn't do the paintings. Because, to me, it's like that's the way you keep people around for that after credit sequence. Because when it went black, it was almost like uh, when Ahsoka left in Clone Wars. Sorry, Scott. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I never uh, heard enough about it. We, we really quit. You know, all of a sudden it was like, was that just the end of the whole series? And that's what Luke and I thought. And when, when it just went black, I was like, that was it. It was just two seasons long. Hmm. Huh. I'll be darned. I'm gonna to have to rework everything, aren't I? I see where I see where I found I found the right I found the right setting, everybody. Woo-hoo. Worst geek out loud ever. <laughs> Stupid Steve. Thanks. Here we go. It's not on you, Scott. It's on me. That's right. Yes. See. Yeah. telling you he's playing us yeah he's uh, did you think like okay because obviously we say that ludwig gorenson has that connection because of the creed stuff did do you think he spent some time with conti or something like i don't like this is classic though i don't know. i mean you, you know battlestar galactica would do this what what galactica would would pull up different would make some different versions as the season went on it would be the same kind of thing just drop in a little yeah. hint here hint there now Gorenson does it constantly yeah well and this is so different and so and so bill conti oh it is I just I, I i don't see it being anything other than deliberate that oh, was deliberate <laughs> And and when he says early Williams, like early Williams is like a lot of jazz and westerns, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Peter Gunn, and yeah, I, I I've listened to some stuff with him, and he's and it's very much a lot of a lot of jazzy type stuff more than anything. Which I mean, you know, yeah, and there's some you know the Cowboys. He did the, I think it's called the Cowboys, isn't it? Yes, there's a there's a there's a piece in that that sounds just like the. Um, North scene from uh, Superman, the movie. Oh. Um, yeah, th- there is um, where they're standing there out on the, you know, and he's getting ready to go. There's a there's a piece in one of those Westerns that he did that was very, very much sounds just like it. He ripped himself off, I guess I should say. But, yeah, I don't know. And I'm not a, I'm, but listen, I'm by no means, the, like, Scott, you would probably know more of William's stuff than I would, and you too, Shaz, but... Um, but I I don't hear John Williams and what go and I'm not complaining I'm not criticizing no, the man I'm no. just you know I I'm just listening I'm like I never hear Williams in any of this stuff um no and that's okay yeah it's fine it, I'm I'm fine with it because I think he does a good job I I what the the music that's playing as Luke is 
making his way through the whole um the whole gauntlet i guess of dark troopers is was an interesting choice and i and i saw a lot of people kind of making a deal about that like this is huge listen to this music and i'm like but the music has nothing to do with luke <laughs> <laughs> right, I was expecting it. Ba, 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 bum, bum. Well, there is something I think only because they hadn't had their full reveal yet. That, well, there is something that happens musically when the um, when the X wing shows up. Great, we're saved. Sure. Incoming craft, identify yourself. There, there's kind of, there's just a little two or three note motif that sounds. There's a couple of the intervals, yeah. Yeah, a couple of a couple of intervals from the main theme, and it's very light, very. And so when it when it did first happen, I'm like, what? I, and because I, I thought I heard it, but you know, my wife was watching with me, and she's like, who was that? And I'm like, I don't know who that is, you know. And so I kind of let it go, and I'm like, I'll come back to that later. And and then when it ended up being Luke, like all thought, my my mind went numb. Like I that I truly. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to say, like this is this is the most excited I've been watching a movie since Cap got Thor's hammer in Endgame, and not that this is a movie. This is the most excited I've been watching a TV show since the days of Smallville. Like I really, truly was watching it, and I'm just like, this is absolutely something. I it, Scott, you said it. I think it was you. No, no, I heard it on Rebel Force Radio, and Jimmy Max said it. <laughs> well, it's at least good good company. Well, because it I sounds like been this excited since Alf finally got the cat. So that was probably the best TV moment I ever saw. Oh, Tabby Popeye. Listen, my favorite Alf joke. Kate had gone to work. Willie had lost his job. And so Kate was working and Willie was home doing all the homemaker stuff. And Willie's making dinner. And Alf walks in and says, what are you doing, Willie? And I'm making dinner, Alf. And he's like, where's Kate? And, you know, and Willie's like, Alf, you know she has to work. And so Alf walks over to this boy. He's like, Willie, there are weeds in here. And and Willie says, Willie says, Alf, that's radicchio. And Alf says, No, what's radicchio is Kate's at work, and you're cooking supper for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I genuinely I was genuinely excited. But anyhow, Jimmy Mac said, "It's Scott, I attribute you because it sounds like something you would say, oh. and and it's something that I would want to say, but I would never say." Because I would never think of it until it was said to me, that this this is what happens when you exceed expectations rather than attempt to subvert expectations. Wow, wow! I mean, you yeah, know, I wish I had said that. <laughs> yeah, but is that not a very astute? Um, oh my goodness! Yeah, it's it's dead on. I mean, it's, it it nails, I guess part of what's been plaguing fandom for several years now. And many of us have been told that because we thought there were a lot of flaws with a certain motion picture that shall remain nameless, um, that, that we're the problem because we expected one thing and which always drives, you know what drives me nuts about that? I don't ever expect anything. I mean, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't go in there with a preconceived set of expectations other than it should be really good. Right. You didn't you, you didn't have any expectations for episode 1. For episode what 1. You were see. Um I I really didn't because I just because I knew Lucas wasn't going to necessarily do what I thought. I mean when I was, you know, when I was 14 I had expectations for episode 1, but you know it came out when I was 28. So right. uh that doesn't really count. 
but I just don't go. It, it, okay, we were at, we went to New York City in 2017. New York City. Uh, New York City. My my wife my wife got me <laughs> for my birthday. Uh, we went there and saw the New York Philharmonic do play the Force Awakens along to the movie, which is which was just awesome. Yeah. And Alfred Newman's son was the conductor, not Alfred E. Newman, but the, I was, the guy. Who, yeah, I was a little confused no, on that one. Yeah, the guy who wrote the Fox Fanfare, his son was the conductor. <clears throat> so, uh, pretty cool thing. Great night. We're like on the third row. It was amazing. But uh, during the day, we were in Times Square, and we go in the Disney store, and I had a Last Jedi shirt on because it hadn't come out yet. And uh, <laughs> and uh, the cast member in the Disney store just starts mobbing me. Oh, Last Jedi, aren't you? Are you excited, Sam? Who do you think's Ray's father? Where do you think Ray's comes from? What do you think this? What? And I don't. Right. I didn't because... I, you know, I don't know. If they take me somewhere that's good, I'll be happy. If they take me somewhere that's dumb, I won't be. And that's kind of, you know, that's kind of where my expectations lie. But but I love the notion that you're not out there going, hmm, they're probably going to think that I'm going to give them this. Instead, I'm going to give them that. I mean, what if The Last Jedi had been two hours of Luke and Ray eating at White Castle? Would that have subverted your expectations? It was definitely subverted yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. That'd make it good. Nope. Yeah. But Crystal's so much better. I mean, <laughs> They're the, no, I've got, you know what? White Castle actually has better fries. I'm just messing. <laughs> but, you know, but for, for Jimmy to make that observation is, is dead on point because, hey, why don't we give them what they expect and then some? Well, it's it's yeah. it's why don't the, we surpass those expectations? That's a it's a great point. Well, I go back to what was so common in all of those reaction videos, including my own reaction as I was watching. No way this is going to happen. They're not going to do this. They're not, and like to the point that I refused, even when I saw green lightsaber and I saw the mm -hmm. belt buckle. Like they do show, you can see mm -hmm. the belt buckle. Yes. Yeah, the and, whole tunic. You yeah. can see the whole tunic at one point. I and but I still refused to believe until I saw that gloved hand. Mm -hmm. And then I never thought we'd like see his face or anything, you know, like it was just, yep. a, it was, it was this thing of, of just the absolute, whether, I don't know, maybe it's just that we've been primed not to expect that. Maybe it's the fact that it's a TV show, quote unquote, that, rather than a movie. That. Yes. You know, and, and so, and you just forget that, you know, you can do this. There's no rule against it, but you kind of like this whole time I felt like there's a rule against crossing these streams. You cannot have <laughs> the Mandalorian crossover when uh, when when all this other stuff. And so, um, and Why so, not? it I, would be bad. Right? <laughs> now I'm confused. <laughs> I'm kind of fuzzy on the whole good bad thing, right? Um, <laughs> but but yeah, and so definitely, I, I think that we've either primed ourselves, but and I think that's kind of sad. Is I think that we've almost primed ourselves to be let down in a way. Well, we. We've almost primed ourselves to not have an imagination, if mm. that makes sense. Yeah. Because I was I was kind of like you in that this should be Luke. They're setting this up to be Luke. Ah, it's a shame they're just going to show him from behind. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're yeah. just going to they're going to have some stand in. They're going to do, you know, I I didn't think they would go whole hog with new dialogue, um, you know, and, and Rogue One him in the face. Uh, I think better than Rogue One. I think they did a little better. They did a lot better than Leia. It was. I think they did uh, better than Leia. I don't know, man. Tarkin was awfully there, good in Rogue One. There's a shot where Tarkin swivels on a stick that drives me nuts. Swivels yeah. on a stick. It's just. It's like. It's like they got him on a stick and they spin him around. <laughs> it's just, I'm, uh, I'm Tarkin on a stick. 
New Jimmy Dean's Target on a Stick. Hey, how about a little Target on a Stick? That's the new, the newest treat at Star Wars Galaxy's we have Edge. That all the time. <laughs> Target on a Stick. Get your Target on a Stick. Mom, we, do we have to have Target on a Stick again? Pumpkin Spice Target on a Stick. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, but Someone yeah, stole my shtick. <laughs> no, as far as yeah, it's parking on a shtick. Actually, there was a moment where I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, did Luke not move his mouth when he spoke in the old movies? Um, um that was my issue. Yeah, there there was not a lot Where's of movement. Yeah, there was not a lot of movement in the mouth area, was there? But yeah, the one thing you want him to be like Al Lewis as Grandpa Munster. Not, it, it didn't hey, sync up. It wasn't Why syncing don't you up. Come down to the basement with us. It, se- <laughs> it it seemed out of sync. It did seem out of sync a little bit. It, it there just wasn't a lot of motion, and, and it and it did. But uh, look, here's the thing: none of it took me out of the moment. None of it made me like I. It was just I was I was thrilled. I was overjoyed, and yeah. and like honestly, like that's the thing. You know, I, I know that if you're going to talk about something, you should. You know, hold off on talking about and gushing over Luke Skywalker showing up till the end. But to me, that's that's the big news and that's the big thing to talk about. That's the thing we're all excited about. Let's not forget this episode started out. Scott, you mentioned like you know it was like playing with your toys where Luke Skywalker's taking out the Micronauts. Yeah. But at the beginning of this episode, it really was like playing with your toys as Slave One was chasing down an Imperial shuttle. Yes. Yes. I mean, I'm I'm just watching that whole sequence, and I'm like, this is everything I've ever wanted to see. Yes, <laughs> this is the these are the games we played. It yes, really it is, yeah. We are. You know, I was talking to G-Man the other day, and we were talking about the fact that John Favreau has been able to bring all of these different creators into this series. And I and I said to him, I said, you know, I, I really think the pitch that he's making to these guys is, hey, I've got this really cool sandbox. You want to come play with me? Yeah. 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 I've got, look at all the toys I have. Yeah, yeah, really. Come over and play. John Favreau has become the neighbor kid with all the cool toys. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and he'll let you play with it. You can't please all Star Wars fans. No. <laughs> Hold my blue milk. That's exactly. <laughs> Well, you know, because here's the thing: we see that we see that whole sequence with Slave One and a in a in an Imperial shuttle. Luke shows up, and you're really expecting. What's funny is like Ahsoka has already said, "No, I can't train him." But there's still part of you thinking we're going to have to settle for Ahsoka, which yes. is kind of a sad statement considering how much we love Ahsoka. People love yeah. Ahsoka, and I do. I love Ahsoka, but it would have been settling for Ahsoka had she shown back up, unexp- you know, unexplainedly to. To, change my mind. Yeah. Hey, I changed. My- <laughs> I can totally train him. You know. I don't need. I don't need you or any. I just need this white lightsaber. Or, or I don't need anything else. And this, I need the white lightsaber and Grogu. And I don't need anything else. Or if I need the, <laughs> I need, the white I need- lightsaber, Grogu, and a brand new ship. Yeah. A brand new ship. All right. And that's I- all I need too. I need the X-Wing, Grogu, two white lightsabers. And and if I could get some of that carbon freezing technology you used to have on the Razor Crest, that'd be cool. I need this. Maybe some maybe some Melu maybe some Melu fruits or Melu run. Um but the the whole the whole thing is just it to me it was like 
I was ready in my heart to settle for some unknown Jedi, you know, who said, yes. who would say, I'm going to take him to Master Luke. I'm going to, you know, and, and then, and then Luke showed, and then my, and then my wife popped big time when she saw R2, when R2 comes walking around the corner. Yeah. You know, and you get R2 and Grogu, and it's like, this should be a prerequisite for every cute creature ever in Star Wars that R2 interacts with them. Well, it, it wasn't too far off from Wicket first uh, hanging out with R2. Right. When That's they what I'm saying. Reconciled yeah. Themselves. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, again, though, the, the point that you make here, I think, goes back to what I was talking about is that we tend to think so much, well, that can't happen. And we spend our time thinking, how are they going to work around this? Mm hmm. Because we just don't even accept the notion that they're actually going to put Luke on there, have him look good. And again, they could have shot him from 100 feet away and you'd never see his face. And we still would have been, oh, cool, Luke was here. But they went to all the trouble to do him and do him well, to do the right thing. And you know what, Scott? We've talked about this since back before Episode 7. And it's one of the things I said going into The Force Awakens was you know Lucasfilm has always been known as 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 the company the movie company that pushes the medium forward that George Lucas was yep. always developing he was always moving forward so that that's why your expectations would get exceeded by what you would see again and again and again in in, in the movies look regardless of what people think about the prequels there was this universal love of Darth Maul and the double-bladed lightsaber became this iconic thing um, same thing with Yoda fighting in episode two and, and, and even some of the, the ships and everything, the Republic gunship and all the, the, a lot of this stuff became very iconic, even with fans who did not care for the prequels, you know? Um, but that, that has been missing, um, in the sequel trilogy, not to bash on the sequel trilogy at all, but you know, there was never anything really new and there was never really anything that pushed anything forward. Well, now it's like, You've got guys. I feel like they're running. It's like, hey, we've we've got to carry the torch that Lucasfilm always carried, and that is, we push the medium forward. Oh, you can't do this in a TV show. Watch us. You know, we will do this in a TV show. And so maybe we have to realign our thinking away from the way TV used to be. You know, that you can only <laughs> do so much in a TV show. Well, guess what. We've got action figure Boba Fett fighting another Mandalorian wrestler chick, and um, and and Luke Skywalker showing up young, de-aged. You know that's something you could only do to Michael Douglas in in Ant Man. You know back in yeah, the day. Uh, you know that that must cost a fortune, and here we are. Yeah. Deep, oh, have deep you seen uh, somebody did a, a deep fakes uh, for uh, Kevin Flynn from Legacy, and it looks so much better than the 2010 Legacy. Right. Yeah. Well, that's a yeah. That's and that's the thing. We're it's, ten years later. Yeah, and technology has moved forward in such a way that that yeah, it can definitely be done. And and two, I don't know. Like, I'm so glad that Luke being around took away the attention from Gene's guy. Um, in in for a few episodes back, when the guy was did you did you know about that, Shaz? Oh, the, the oh the the. The crew guy? Yeah, the crew guy that was caught in the shot in the background. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah just standing, half of him was caught, and he's <laughs> standing there in jeans and like a green T-shirt. And so everyone started making like mock-up action figures, you know, <laughs> jeans guy. <laughs> and, 
And and like I'm sitting there and like it became this, you know how geek news is, you know, it's like Star Wars makes a Game of Thrones size gaffe. And yeah. and it's like I was so glad that you can go now watch it and he's not there. They painted him out. Like they went really? they painted him out and I'm like, this is well, exactly what should happen. The first thing they did was they tried to de age him. Right. They tried to de age yeah. and make and him then- and make him baby jeans guy. Yeah, and that didn't work out. So then they decided to paint him out. And now, when you get that episode, it's called Special Edition. That's so. right. The special, yes. That's right. Chapter 14, Special Edition. <laughs> At one point, they had Gene's guy say, McClunky, it didn't right. work. So. Well, he's cheering them on. That's what he's doing in the background. He's like, McClunky! <laughs> I, I Actually, think that's his name. Yeah, I was, uh, thank guy. you. It's yes, McClunky. I was going to say, yes. Chaz. Actually, he's saying, I'm it's McClunky. Yeah. <laughs> I'm McClunky for crying out loud. <laughs> Why would you have to fry poor Greedo like that? I'm going to get McClunky after you. <laughs> <laughs> you dropped your whole load of spice. What are you thinking, me lad? <laughs> <laughs> William Wallace is seven feet tall. Wait, no, that's a whole other movie. <laughs> different, different guy. And if he, if McClunky were here, he'd consume the English with bolts of lightning. <laughs> oh man, yeah, it's um. But also, the other thing is, is there's a formula. And I want to get off of talking about the Mandalorian because I feel like we've gushed enough. Unless there's something else. No. But, but there is another thing that we've seen, and and I know that Favreau has pretty much been the the driving force of writing, but. Filoni's fingerprints are all over this thing too because there's this thing that Filoni did in Rebels where he sets up all of these relationships throughout the season and then at the end all yeah. those people are called back in for the big finale. And and that's what we've seen here in this in this and we saw it in the last season as well. You know, right. the only thing we we're missing was Apollo, you know, leaving town to yep. come help him out and I and well, we, I expected to see Ahsoka in this episode. After the previous, yeah. you know, the previously yeah. seen on right, I would have. How about I would have loved for Grief Carga to have been up there, like in the like. I think he would have added so much to the situation when they're trapped in the bridge, and and the guys are like. I can just imagine his commentary because he was the one who always he always had something to say, you know, because he's Apollo Creed for crying out loud. But yeah. I think that would have been cool. But yeah, outside of him and Ahsoka, like the whole gang is back together. That he's. You know, of course, Frog Lady and Frogman are taking care of their babies, so they couldn't show up and help out. No, you know, of course not. but like it's one—it's an '80s movie trope that that these using in the, well, like all of these little characters come back. The only thing he could have done otherwise is have the Mandalorian suddenly unleash those spiders that he fought on the ice planet. <laughs> oh. You know, on the ship. Like, I've got, I've got an, ex- I've got an answer now. for all that. Yeah, we're <laughs> friends now. Yeah, that's right. We're no, friends he now. Froze, he froze him in carbonite for uh, just such a moment. That's right. I escaped somehow. Um, <laughs> that's one of my favorite bits. Have you guys ever watched? Did you guys ever see the Thumb Wars? Oh yeah, I got it. Yeah, yeah I, the I, there's a moment where the Thumb Princess Leia comes running, like because they, they do everything so fast. It's like thirty minute thing. Yep. She comes running by and they just look at her. She says, "I escaped somehow," and then they just keep on <laughs> <to> the fight. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my favorite bits in all the stupid Star Wars parodies. I escaped somehow. <laughs> they just go on with it. Oh man, yeah. I'm. I gosh, this show was so good. Did you guys uh, just from the the season as a whole, outside of the Luke thing? 
you know, I guess the other big thing that came out of the season was the return of Boba Fett. We've joked about him being Boba Fett, you know, and, and, and old black robe Fett or whatever. Um, and of course everyone, you know, like what in the world is the book of Boba Fett and all this stuff, but just the character being back, this is something that I know Star Wars fans have wanted officially for since 1983, really. You know, uh, you know, uh, right down to Dark Empire, the Sarlacc found me somewhat indigestible. To indigestible, yeah, it's this is you know, to he was then involved like in the whole Yuuzhan Vong invasion. He, Mm -hmm. you know, in the expanded universe, he he became like the Mandalore or the the god of Mandalore. Mandalore. Yeah, and um, and so fans have just always loved him and wanted him back. And George is like, no, he's dead. (laughs) No, he's dead. It ain't gonna happen. If you can bring back Darth Maul, you can certainly bring back Boba Fett. Right. Yeah. So, what, Scott? I, you know, you were there in 1980. Both of you guys were there in 1980 in a cognitive way, not like I was just kind of there. Um, <laughs> you know, when it comes to this character of Boba Fett, what what has he meant to you as a fan through these years, Scott? Or has he been like for me? It's like, yeah, he looks cool. But that's, I've always been okay with him dying in the Sarlacc pit. But for you, where do you stand with, with the old Fett? Um, you know, I had, I had the, the pre-U mm-hmm. instead of the EU. Uh, you know, Marvel was, was my thing. And, you know, we had him there. Um, I, Marvel, Boba Fett was our first glimpse of The Empire Strikes Back. Right. You know, Boba Fett was the first thing we saw. Ooh, Boba Fett action figure. I've, of course, I've got my proofs of purchase because I've saved all of my cards. I'll cut them up and send them in and get, you know, and he's going to fire a rocket. And he didn't fire a rocket. Thanks, but, thanks, Battlestar Galactica toys. Yeah, thanks, kid in Georgia. Um, Scott, he died. I know he died. You can't say that about a child that died. Oh, my God. He was my age at the time. I can't say it. Merry uh, Christmas. I was saying it then. I really, no, I was mad about that. Mm-hmm. I was really mad because I was like, this kid, you know, I was, what, eight? Yeah. I'm going, this, you know, this, I can't believe this stupid kid. Because um, I had the Battlestar Galactica toys, and I didn't suck anything down. So, you know, and I had the ones that shot. I still have them in storage. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so we were excited, you know, excited about getting this Boba Fett figure. We got it. He just, he was the coolest looking thing. And then you oh, have yeah. his appearance in the holiday special. Yes. And, um, you know, you got a little bit of Empire Strikes Back. But by then, you know, for me, Star Wars was kind of, okay, so we've done Star Wars. We had a, several years of comic books. And then we had Empire Strikes Back. So this is going to be a thing. And stories are going to be told for a long time. So the, the fact that there wasn't a lot of Boba Fett in that one didn't yeah. really bother me. Uh, in fact, you know, as a kid, I thought, well, they'll do Empire Strikes Back, and then the next movie won't even have Darth Vader in it because they'll just be worried about Jabba the Hutt. And then the movie after that, they'll bring Darth Vader back in there, and they'll deal with him again. So, you know, I didn't think they were going to wrap anything up in Return of the Jedi. I thought we were going to go on and on and mm-hmm, on, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at, at a 9, 10, 11 years old. Uh, but, you know, we did have Finn Scheiser showing up as a stand-in for Boba Fett right. in the uh, Marvel comics. That's and right, yeah. Loved him. Loved loved. uh the story arc. I mean, I, th- that era, I got to tell you, to me, there are two really vastly underappreciated eras of Star Wars storytelling. And one is Archie Goodwin's run on Marvel Star Wars, and the other one is David Michelinie's run on Marvel Star Wars. Um, they just, to me, were both, in their own ways, pure distillations of what Star Wars is all about. 
uh, and great ways to work within the universe and do creative things and, and grab some of the themes and explore them in the ways the movies weren't able to do because of the time constraints and plot constraints. Um, so Boba Fett was, was a guy that, yeah, I always wanted more of him. I always want, we, when, when I was a kid, we redid our kitchen. We expanded our kitchen, made a bigger kitchen because our kitchen was about half a foot wide. And, um, they put these tiles down on the floor and, um, they were these tiles, you know, square tiles and you pull off the backing and stick them down. You know what I'm talking about? Those yeah, things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, there were a bunch of them left over and they dumped them out in our back lot, which is what always happened with trash. And we have a back lot that was just woods when I was a kid and I had a tree house in it and, uh, awesome tree house. Uh, and I would take the tiles that they had thrown out and I would take one of their knives and I would cut them into shapes you know, take one of the squares and cut it into shapes, and then I would be a Mandalorian. Yes. I would take that the backing off awesome. and stick it to my chest, and I would be a Mandalorian. That mm -hmm. would be my armor. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, that was that was what we would play. And then I would have kids in the neighborhood come over, and I'd cut them up some armor <laughs> and stick it on their chest, and we'd all be Mandalorians. So uh, this is a thing. This was This was – it means a lot to have him back. It means a lot to have him actually doing some things that we can see officially. But – had we never gotten this, believe me, he still did a lot in my world. Hmm. Okay. See, uh, I, I, I got to tell you, ever since the Disney era started, it has really given me an appreciation for a headcanon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. they flushed. When, when, look, when Disney announced the acquisition in 2012, I immediately turned. We were doing a uh, bunch of the geek guys were hanging out. Mm -hmm. um, and I said to them at the time, I said, the EU's gone. And my buddies are going, why? Why, are, why is the EU gone? Because... They don't want to have to explain to a mainstream audience 30 years worth of, you know, these geek storylines that only uh, really relatively few of us have actually been following and exploring. Right. You know, I mean, they've done okay. They've made money with it. But, but you know, versus the number of tickets you'd sell to see a movie, it's a very tiny group of people. Right. So, you know, once they started really just blowing out different stories that people loved and adored, really recognize it. Headcanon's pretty important. Headcanon's a thing. I used to go, there's only canon, and that's it. But now I'm like, okay, yeah, that's my canon. Mm -hmm. And you can have that canon, but I'm going to have this. Yeah. Shaz, was Boba Fett a big deal to you? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I was that kid who saw the holiday special. <laughs> that's didn't, right. Didn't that's right. meet anyone else who had till I was a senior in high school. Wow. Wow. And there, was, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of contact with people in the rest of the world. <laughs> it, but I was having dreams as soon as I saw the first Empire Strikes Back uh, trailers on TV, I would have dreams of snowtroopers shooting at me down the hallway, but they were in Boba Fett colors mm. because of the holiday special. But I, I always thought, even when I first saw Empire Strikes Back, I thought that bounty hunter we ran into in Ord Mantell was Boba Fett because I thought mm. that was talking about that previous event. I well, thought everything I always, was continuous. I always assumed that as well. I always assumed that Boba Fett was the bounty hunter. I didn't think I didn't know about the holiday special, but I'm like you. I assumed that Boba Fett was the the bounty hunter they ran into on Ord Mandel. Yeah, if you wanted to be a bad guy, Boba Fett was the guy to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. To, to me, mm -hmm. Darth Vader was untouchable, mm -hmm. but I could be Boba Fett. It's just like I can't be a Jedi, but I could be Han Solo. <laughs> I can't be a Jedi, but I could be Dexter Jetster for crying out loud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, see that, and I guess that's where you know, like that's 
too, as a kid, I was a Luke Skywalker kid. You know, he was my hero. He was my favorite. I was never, I, I, I never claimed to be cool like the rest of the cool people who always loved Han Solo and that was their favorite. Like to me, it's Luke's story. That's who the hero is. And by God, that's who my favorite is. That's just how I was as a kid. And I kind of maintain that throughout you know, the rest of my days, even though everyone else is like, <laughs> looks such a whiny little, he's <laughs> so whiny and stuff. Um, and I'm like, well, but I was going to the Tassie station too. And, <laughs> and so for me, Boba Fett was like, he was a cool character to have. I like his action figure. He looked different. Any color that would pop in the rest of those yeah. star Wars figures, you know, stuck out. And so Boba Fett with the red and the green and everything, Slave One was a ship that I couldn't wrap my head around for some reason. I could never, as a kid, like, what is this? Does it go this way? Does it go this way? How is this thing supposed it's to work? like a helicopter. The handle. It's got a handle. Yeah, but I'm stupid. I was a stupid kid. Scott, what am I saying? <laughs> oh, oh, really quickly. In the middle of that, I'm going to throw in. Also, you know, they did that mall tour where they yes, sent Darth Vader yeah. and Boba Fett around to the malls. That's right. And right. My, my aunt and uncle went to, like, apparently they came to Savannah, and uh, my aunt and uncle went to the mall, and did, and they got, you know, one day we went to visit them, and they said, "Hey, we got you a present." And they had eight by ten glossies autographed wow. by Darth Vader and Boba Fett. Wow! And this was seventy nine. So you know, oh, wow. again, just yeah, jazzy. But I, I still remember to this day the Boba Fett glossy says copyright nineteen seventy seven, Black Falcon Limited. Ooh, yeah. Yes, I'll be Not happy right, to sign no. your. I'll be happy to sign your grandson's. <laughs> <laughs> to Scott, come to the dark side. <laughs> to Scott, you're worth a lot to me. Um, <laughs> love Boba. Uh, it did say it was signed just Boba. He didn't yeah. have. There's no. It was. We were on a first name basis, which was but, nice. But the character. So like, and I honestly, it's one of those things again that like it never dawned on me that it was a lame way to go out until I got on the internet and I saw people complain about, what a lame way for Boba Fett to go out. I always thought it was a great little moment. Boba Fett, where, you know, and he hit that switch and it took off and then they got to replay. Then they got to kind of call back to that in the first episode of this season when he, when the Mandalorian knocks Cobb Vanth in the back there and sends him shooting off, yep. you know, and, uh, and it's like, that's, that's what Han did to Boba Fett accidentally. Um, and so, so for him being back to me, it's like, it's cool. It's great. I'm happy with it. I'm not upset about it by any means, but I don't know that I get the thrill out of it that a lot of other people do. I just think it's really cool. And it, and it opens the, the, the door for a lot of cool stories to be told and, you know, the, and hopefully to explore some of that underworld and see some of those cool bounty hunters that may still be around, um, you know, maybe an, a, a Bosque that's a little long in the tooth. We got to yeah. hang out with IG-11 for crying out loud. You know, that the, I'd love to see IG-88 show up now that Zuckus we know what those droids can do. Zuckus and are coming. Zuckus yeah, and four, And finally, they'll say four Lom. They'll let us know it's four no. Lom. No. And when they show yeah. up, if someone no. doesn't point to Zuckus and say, I thought you were four Lom. Yes. Um, <laughs> and Zuckus will say, that's four of the whip. No. <laughs> That... Well, wait a minute now, because as far as I'm concerned, uh, since it is all about headcanon, uh, what do they say on the toy commercial? For LOM. I don't think that's okay, right. That's what I thought. Okay, okay. That's, which is what I was saying all the time. You can send them for your 
for LOM, LOM action figure. Or you can send in for secret action figure. All right, hold on a second, guys. Okay. Are you going to pull up the commercial? I, am I going to? I have. Star Wars, the I Empire win. Strikes Back action figures. 47 in all. Each sold separately. Here's new Bespin guards, AT-AT commander, and Imperial TIE fighter pilot. Now you can get this new 4LOM action figure. Oh, free. shut up, you uh. stupid kid. You know what you're talking about. <laughs> I bet you say C3P0 as well. <laughs> oh, no, not a zero. <laughs> oh, my. Hold on, here's another one. I actually had a debate with this, but I used that footage. LOM, an Imperial TIE fighter pilot. Oh, he said it again, stupid kid. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was one with a man holding the 4LOM figure and you, saying it. Well, that's just because you're a little boy and the kid seemed like a man to you. <laughs> he looked like Ralph Macchio's understudy. That's what I'm looking at. And he's holding Zuckus and saying 4LOM. So, look, that shows well, you what they all knew. I guess you're one of those people who say ATAT, Scott, uh, Shaz. No, they say add ad on the commercials. But Shaz? Which is, Kenner is canon. Kenner. Yeah. Kenner, <laughs> they really care. They're you, canon because they really care. They do. They, they do, do really care. Yes. That is so true. They do really care. For those of you who, know, who don't know, in the in the days when you'd get a, a vehicle from Kenner and you'd go through the instructions, there'd always be a blurb on the vehicle instruction that says, we really do care. And it was a whole thing about if there's pieces missing or something, just contact us and... And we'll get back to you. Hasbro has continued that great tradition. You know, the first uh, Republic gunship I got years ago when it when when the Attack of the Clones merchandise was out, that didn't come with the platform the that you could let out of the the floor of yeah. the thing that you could let out. And so I sent an email to him, and sure enough, within like two weeks, I had it. Yeah. To replace yeah. mine. So I got replacement ATTE uh, legs. I wonder if I could get a replacement. Just like Darth Maul. Yeah. I want- <laughs> Dear yeah, Has- the, the bouncy grievous kind. Maybe oh, I'll okay. email them and be like, hey, guys, I've lost my entire AT-AT. Uh, could you guys sit? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got, I've got the AT-AT, but it doesn't have the uh, legs or the body or the head. The head. <laughs> I have one chin gun. Yeah. <laughs> so- well, you know, that, I, when I got my Death Star... It didn't have it didn't have a lot of stuff. I mean, we got you know. Here's a you want to segue to Christmas really quickly. Here we go. Yes. Uh, my birthday is September twentieth. Happy birthday, Scott. Thank you. Thank you. I turned fifty this year, and uh, old newsman. We would always get the wish book <laughs> mm-hmm. around yes. Labor Day. Yep. So I would always pull open the wish book and go, "Look at all the cool new Star Wars stuff." Mom, I want this for my birthday. Mom would go, okay. But the problem is, with the st- we know this now, a lot of the stuff in the wish book hadn't been made yet. Mm. Right. In fact, there are some toys. I don't know if you know this or not, Stephen, but uh, mm. some toys were solicited and shown in the wish book for order that were never made because they never got enough orders. Not like, Star Wars. Okay. But, but other, other toy right, lines. Right, right. Um, so we would always want that. And then so my parents would get, order the, the hot, new, cool Star Wars thing for me for my birthday. And then my birthday would come and my parents would always go, you know, we, we ordered you that thing, but it's not here yet. Mm. So I would never actually get my birthday present on my birthday because they always ordered me the cool new Star Wars thing. And it was never it never actually existed at that point. Mm. Um, so which is why yes. you should have a December birthday. 
<laughs> That's true. As right. You know. Right, Scott. Why couldn't you be born in December? <laughs> Sorry. Well, I was, you know, I was a preemie because I was born on September 20th and I was due on the 23rd. So, um, I, which is when your package came every year, yeah, the 23rd. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> the, uh, no, the, it would usually come about 10 days after my birthday. I'd get it during mm. September, but barely. And, uh, so, am one I, of the, one of the, huh? Am I to believe that, Kenner was taking pre-orders, but they weren't saying we only have made so many. So pre-order of the ones we've only made, and we will now sell out of pre-orders. I think they were just telling the catalog, "Hey, by the time Christmas rolls around, this is what's going to be in store. So go ahead and just start ordering." Okay. Yeah. Because um, I'm going to tell I, you, you go to Hasbro and they've got pre-orders that are sold out, and that makes no sense to me. No, no, you're right. You're right. But uh, the Death Star came, and obviously early production run, it didn't have the, the uh, draw bridge. It didn't have the trap door. It didn't have the rope to swing across the chasm. Mm. I was missing all really? kinds of stuff. Yeah, and so we wrote them a letter and said, we're missing this, 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 and this. And they sent us most of it. We never got all of it, but oh. they, they, they did send us most of it, little padded envelopes and everything. So, I mean, they made the effort. But my Death Star was never complete. Oh wow, that's yeah. a shame. Yeah, that's a mine was shame. never complete either. At least not I when said. I got it. Mine is complete oh, now. I got it in the late eighties. Yeah, okay. my, mine mine was finally complete when we went through um, some of my brother's old stuff, and there was the rope. And I'm like, nice. my goodness gracious, alive! And so, but now the gun after the move, my gun got broke. Like all the guns get broke, and so do they. Yeah. yeah, the 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 not Scotts because it's kind no, of my a, gun's great, great gun. You don't know that it's in storage somewhere, sitting <laughs> holding a up game. a holding up a pile of boxes of magazines. <laughs> that really and an ugly sconce. <laughs> when I looked over and I saw a a vintage Star Destroyer playset propping up boxes of stuff i was like i can't be in here anymore <laughs> i was i was like I, of all the people that i thought would be absolutely anal about taking care of their vintage uh, star wars toys we Scott don't use Rush, that language here steve i'm sorry of all the people that i thought would be very meticulous about taking care of their vintage star wars toys it was Scott Riven. Like, I imagine Scott Riven had had special foam cutouts made and sat down on the boxes to hold all the pieces. Like, he had gator cases in there. Like, Scott, you spent hundreds of dollars on these cases. Well, it's vintage Star Wars. You've got to take care of them. <laughs> well, the reason that that was like that at the time was because there was nothing really planned about putting everything into storage. It just kind of had to happen. And so it did. And so there was a long time before I could really get it organized. And I got it. It's organized. I went and organized it after, after uh, I realized I'd almost given you a heart attack. Uh, I bought a bunch well, of new shelving. Scott, that and, that and 30-something years of fat living will do that to a guy. <laughs> but uh, I reorganized everything. I put everything on shelves. And everything looks great. And then um, I had to clear up my office and put all of that in storage. Mm -hmm. So everything is in storage at this point. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but the, the, the old, the old wish book, man, like I, I wanted to get through this episode. I really thought I'd said, you know what? 
I don't want to bring up the wish book. Everyone brings oh, up the no. wish book, but no. it I'm it was a part of Christmas. I mean, you can't really get away from it. It was. It was, a, it was the third. No. The, yes. yes. It was the it was the third third of the year. Right, the third third of the it, year. Yeah, because it was from September to December. I mean, it was. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, it took up the whole last third of the year just looking through. You just. You were all over that thing. And if you didn't get something, it continued through the rest of the year. Yeah. Do you I know what? The uh, creature cantina background on a piece of cardboard after Christmas because I didn't get the creature cantina. So mm. I drew that oh, back, wow. background and just set it up and I cut the little door and people could go in and out through it. <laughs> are, you talking about, are you talking about the Sears exclusive creature cantina? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That See, came that with the blue snuggle for me. Oh, really? That was yeah, because that was like that year. That was I was fixated on that because there were four things that you could not get anywhere else. Mm. Right? You know, snags, Greedo, Hammerhead, Walrus Man. You couldn't get them anywhere else. They were the exclusives, as you mentioned. And so I was just like, I've got to have that. I must have that. That's the thing I want. I would talk about it all the time. I want that. And then uh, Christmas morning came, and I opened up all the presents under the tree, and there was no Sears exclusive. Oh, uh, there was no creature cantina mm. and uh, i was just kind of i was like oh man and and you don't like even as a kid you're like i got a lot of great stuff but i didn't get that one thing mm. and uh we went over to grandma's house for lunch and grandma, grandma was always a wonderful lady but you know it was going to be a jacket or something because right you know. and uh she gave me my present and i opened it and it, she had given me the creature cantina no wow. yes so grandma well, saved cool. christmas grandma sweet Grandma saved Christmas. Yep. You never know what your parents are thinking. You know, no. uh, I just found out sometime in the past probably five or six years, you know, I'm, I'm over at my mom's house and we're talking about stuff. She said, there's that one thing I wish I would have gotten for you. It was it was early on. It was uh, a creature cantina from – I was like, what? <laughs> she remembered it the whole time. And she's always said, you know, that was that one thing I thought you, you would have really liked that Christmas. I was like – you know, that had an exclusive figure with it that you can't get anywhere else. She said, no. I said, I have it now. <laughs> so she was like, really? I said, yeah, it's cool. I'll tell you. Wait, is it, my, there were uh, four exclusives? No, well, there, yeah, at the time. I mean, it's, well, it's oh, snack. yeah. Well, I had Hammerhead and. and uh, well, you didn't up. have them then because they were only in that set at that point. Right. I got them the next year, I'm sure. Um, where they came out. I'll tell you. Cards. Last, late last year, or maybe it was early this year. It was late last year. My brother, uh, my brother's father-in-law moved in with them because he's getting up in age. He needs somebody to look after him. And so they had to go through his house and empty it out. And my brother sends me a text and he says, Hey, I just found this old wish book and it's in great shape. It's from 1982. Do you want it? Do you want it? <laughs> yeah. What? No, not like, at all. Are you asking? So, uh, I brought it up here tonight. Oh yeah, cover. Oh wow, that is in fantastic shape. It's amazing, yeah. And the Star Wars pages are gorgeous, and everything in it's just beautiful. It's just a, the eighty-two uh, rigs in that one, right? Uh, yes, I believe there are many rigs in this one. I'll have to take a look through, but it's just what is amazing to me is uh, this was my mom tells the story that when I was a kid, and this is why you had to bring up Wish Book tonight, Steve. Mm -hmm. um, when when I was a kid, I wouldn't take naps. And uh, believe it or not, I was a little active and rambunctious. And um, 
my mom needed a break. So she would basically tell me, you're going to sit in the crib for a while while I rest. <laughs> and what would keep me pacified was she would put the wish book in the crib with me. Oh, wow. And I would sit and look at the wish book. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when I was a kid, I would look and all of the toys in the wish book worked perfectly in my imagination. Yes. You know, and they all were great and they were all terribly fun to play. I didn't get, you know, 95% of them. But, uh, and going back through this, that's the thing that I really remember is all these things that I had so many high hopes for. The very few that I ever got didn't usually work out the way they seemed like they would on the catalog. But um, it was just amazing going through this thing and just seeing all this stuff that I remember just fixating on as a kid. Uh, I can tell it's not one of my old ones because it doesn't. Everything's not circled. But exactly, <laughs> circling is important. I just the displays they had in there. Were, I mean, like someone got to actually. It seemed like sometimes play with things and get them set up. Yeah, the micro series. Micro series. The Millennium Falcon there looks great. Mm-hmm. One of the great toys of of our generation was the Millennium Falcon play set slash vehicle for crying out loud oh, man. Yes. Um, you know it the the smugglers compartment the gunner you know the gunner chair the cockpit you had the jajaric table over there and if you didn't lose it you had the the little bead Disco ball. you had the little yep. bead on the arm that was supposed to be the training ball and, that's so uh, funny when I did the uh, when I interviewed Anthony Bresnikan for the My Star Wars Story thing, and he was talking about his Millennium Falcon playset when he was a kid, and he said, "And you know, and there's that one piece everybody lost." And I was like, "Yeah, the the training ball." And he's like, "No, the the, the chess table." And I'm like, "No, we didn't lose that. We lost the ball." No. Yeah, yeah, you you had to be an irresponsible child to lose the chess table. That's right, Bresnikan. And I was a grown man. <laughs> I was a grown man before I realized that you could take the um the the cover to the smuggler compartment. And um, and put Take it off the table. No, and put it on the uh, put it up under the um, the cover to the ship on the underside of the the top part of the roof. What? Yeah, there's I slot. Was a grown man too. There. <laughs> I was, was forty eight when I found that. There are tabs. There there are tabs. <laughs> there there are tabs underneath there, and then it's like, what are these? What are these even here for? Well, they're to slide in the floor piece. So you can have it open at all times for your figures to stand in down there. Yeah, yeah. At the time I did not know that either. Yeah, I didn't either. I was, I was an adult before I realized that. Yep, yep. And I learned that less than a minute ago. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when you have a chance, go pull out your vintage Millennium Falcon playset and 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 check that out because it's a true story. I'm telling you here. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was a cool thing. It was all. I mean, like. That's, That's design. Thing. That's great yeah. design, right? Yeah, it was great design. I mean, yeah. you know, I hate to say... told somebody. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, you go through the instructions, and I don't know that it was ever mentioned in the instructions or anything. Not that I actually read the instructions, but no. my dad never told me that it was in the instructions. Right. So. There, I think that's the kicker is is my, uh, you know, my, my parents would put the thing together for me and apply all the labels and everything, and then, and so all I had to do was just play with it. And so I didn't, I didn't get some of that stuff figured out and worked out. I, the other thing on the Millennium Falcon was the, um, the struts for the entrance ramp. I, I broke those. Oh, really? My playtime. Yeah. How'd you break those? Um, just 
I don't know, Scott. I was a child. Was I was, he opened I, it during flight, and somebody was trying to jump to get on, and it's pushed. Uh, him down well, too I'll far tell you one thing that happened on mine is I, early on with having it. I remember the um, the hook on the tab that where it would stay stay in broke, yeah. uh, and so um, yeah, and so I always had to put it in from the top part, and it never was a let down and push back up thing. And those things would come loose and just kind of get under stuff and end up snapping off. Like they were, they were thin little pieces. And yeah. I was a child. Remember when I had my Millennium Falcon, I was four and five years old playing with this thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, where most kids at four and five today, you look at the toys they give five year olds to play with today, they're not playing with sophisticated Kenner action figure toys. No, it's a tablet. Yeah, well, that's true. It's all, it's all a tablet. <laughs> That's well. It's not sophisticated like the original Millennium Falcon, man. Like you had a button that you press it, go. Yeah, I'd go. That's right. Was it now, Scott? You you mentioned the near miss for Christmas with the with the Cantina. What did you guys have anything that you wanted that you never? And and of course, you say the Creature Cantina, Shaz. Was there something though that you kind of hoped for for years and years that you never got? That you've turned out to actually be a functioning member of society, even though it was no on some of these things. No, because it wasn't long after that that I got a job, mm-hmm. <laughs> and there was oh, nothing I were, missed from that. You were point nine, forward. and he went and got a job. Yeah, I've had it with this. <laughs> we were mowing lawns when you were like double digits. Well, not you? necessarily. I was doing papers when I was nine. Yeah. I was my first full time job. Well, how about not even necessarily Star Wars, but just anything, any toy maybe that you saw as a kid that you asked for for Christmas? Yes, yeah, Scott. Uh, you know this story, don't you? I I don't know, Scott. You haven't started telling it for me to say if oh. I know it or not. This is the the one thing I the thing I never ever ever got until you know I was twenty seven. Um, when the Adat came out, mm-hmm. I loved the Adat. I mean, yeah. who didn't yeah. as a kid love that Adat? Right. And uh, when they finally made the toy, it took a couple of years for them to make the toy. Uh, it it came out, and of course, my parents were generally really accommodating for me with Star Wars stuff. You know, if it was the Star Wars thing and I wanted it, they usually found a way to get me, you know, get it for me. And um, I remember we were in Gibson's and they had the ad ad. It was in stores finally. And I was like, Mom, it's the ad ad. What is the walker? I didn't call it ad ad at the time. Right. I will say that. I called it the walker. Okay. Mom, it's the walker. Look, they've got the walker in stores. I got to get this. Will you please get this for me? And she said, how much is it? I said, it's forty nine ninety nine. And she looked at me and she said. I ain't paying no $50 for no toy. <laughs> and that was it. Well, Scott, how much, uh, you've got the wish book right there. How much was that Millennium Falcon in that particular wish book? What year was that one again? I, 83? 82. I'm, I'm guessing it's around 25. I'd say it's, yeah, I'd say it's 20 it to 25. It was 25? It's as big as the ad at. The Creature Cantina is like eight ninety nine. by the way. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. The Steve Austin action figure was only like six bucks. Man. And we're paying $20 for six inch action figures these days. Yeah, Twin Pod Cloud Car, I think, was probably eight ninety nine. Yeah, it was not expensive. Let's see. I'm still trying to find a stupid thing. Twin Pod Cloud Car. Um, I'm looking at a I'm thing. looking at an old catalog entry right now from the nineteen eighty one Sears Wish Book, forty seven ninety nine for the ad at. That was a discount. Yeah. Listen, 5% off. I always, I'm the same way, Scott. I always wanted the ad at and never got it. That was the one thing that, that it it eluded me until I was a grown up, which is, you know, I say that out loud and it's like, (laughs) 
<laughs> it eluded me until I was six feet tall. That's right. It it eluded yeah. me until I could feed myself and drive wherever I wanted to go. <laughs> yeah, mine was almost anticlimactic because they put the Power of the Force two version out. Oh yeah. And when it came out, it was seventy five dollars. I was in my head. I'm hearing my mom going, "I ain't paying those seventy five dollars for no toy." Um, and a buddy of mine called me and said, uh, "Hey, they're you know they're blowing those things out." down at Toys R Us in Jacksonville and how much 20 bucks I'm gone shut and so uh, I got one no I got mine for 20 bucks I would have gotten one for 20 bucks back then of the power of the force mm-hmm. two ones um so that's the one I've got is the power of the force two I don't have a vintage, vintage oh okay one. I got a vintage one um of course it, it, it my story was it was at a flea market and I didn't the chin gun story yeah the chin gun story I've told before a million times um that the, the, it had one chin gun and the dude didn't want to sell it to me. And I talked him into selling it to me and I got home and was cleaning up this dusty at at and in the battery compartment was the second chin gun. And so I, I got the at at working and everything and it, and it worked great. It was, it's one of my greatest, my, my happiest finds as an adult collector was getting my hands finally on a vintage at at the power of the force two at at right now. I'm looking at an entry on eBay for the power of the force two at at in the box $250. Oh my. What that bad boy. Of course, now that comes with the two figures in it. Well, un- understand how expensive that ad was back then. Castle Grayskull in the 82 catalog is $29.99. Wow. And that's, that's huge. That it, it it's huge, but the quality of Castle Grayskull versus an ad ad is incomparable. You know, there is no Falcon in this edition of the Sears catalog. I just saw it. You just showed it to us, Scott. Yeah. No, the micro ex- no. no, the micro one. Oh, yeah. okay. The micro one, but not the... Not I, the okay. Not the I thought one. I thought that was an actual Falcon above the micro collection there. I did too. No. That was the, okay. it was the... I don't think it was... No, it's definitely micro. It's okay. definitely okay. micro. But so, uh, they do have Slave One. It's fifteen ninety nine. Shut yeah. your mouth. Wow. <laughs> I wonder if we could still order it. Um, Scout Walker's fourteen ninety nine. Mm. Yeah. Good night. That's just it's amazing. So Shaz, when you say the quality was was no comparison, do you mean like the the ad at was better quality than the than the? Oh Castle yeah. Ad? Okay, good. I just want to make sure we're on the same page there. Think think, think about the the uh, you got Castle Grayskull, Steve. No, no, no. I don't. I, I haven't had one since I was a child. But you had it. But you did have one. Yeah, I did. I, mean, I did. Even the, the amount of plastic in it is a lot less, but it, it's thinner. It's it's. Uh, oh yeah, it would. It was. It was a lot more brittle. It had the hinges that opened. Those would break real easy. Yeah. And then once you got inside, there were so many things that were just either a decal or a cardboard cutout. Yes. In that yeah. particular thing that was, you know. That as a kid, now look, they're going to be people like, you shut up, Steve Glosson. Castle Grayskull is awesome. And I don't appreciate you talking bad about Castle Grayskull. Oh, fun. You know, I love Castle Grayskull. I'm right there with you. I loved it. You know, I loved He-Man. I, that whole line, it's been it's been everything I could do to prevent myself from getting into this He-Man Origins thing at Walmart because I just love seeing those figures and, and they, they look, look great. great, don't they? Oh, they look so fantastic. You know, and I, it's like all I can do to, every time I... And, and, they short pack man at arms. And so I've seen man at arms at our Walmart like three times. And every time I'm like, I should at least get him. I should at least get him. And I don't. And my Never wife, makes, then my wife makes fun of me for wanting something called man of arms. And I'm like, it's not man of arms. 
His, yeah, well, his, that's the Origins one, but then they're going to do a like a sequel series to He-Man where they, there's a new prince that has to go find him, and he's old and fat, and he's he milks uh, Battle Cat for his <laughs> beverage. For the, it's going to be really just... <laughs> no, man, on Eternia, they have... Listen, Luke was on Eternia in... <laughs> In episode whatever that was, he was he was in Eternia because that's the kind of stuff they have there. Little weird Muppet things walking around and like dressed like nuns, you know. And, um, but yeah, the the yeah, look, I love the He-Man thing, but I I agree with you, Shaz. The the Adat in general was just a more well put together toy back then. Oh yeah, and um and I mean it was big. I'm not I'm not gonna get, I'll give it to you. It was a big toy. You know, but I, I still, if if the Falcon was going for twenty something, then surely. I, no, you got those walking legs, you got the the puppeteer head, you got chin guns that move, light up, and yeah. make the noise. There's a lot more small parts involved in the big toy with that one. I think. It's yeah, you know what? I yeah, it was almost like a puppet the way that you would you work got- that thing. Yeah, with yeah. the head, and yeah. then you've got you know the knee joints. Those are all those all have to be put together. Whereas the Falcon, you just take two two shells and slap them together. I mean, I love the Falcon. Oh yeah, but I always wanted to have more. I I wanted not the cardboard walls. I wanted to have the entire the use of the entire Falcon. Yeah, and dude, I played with the AT-AT for years. I mean, it was the machine because it had so many mm-hmm. features to it. You could. You couldn't make it walk fast like the Scout Walker. You know, mm-hmm. it's a little button. But you you could play with those chin guns. You could move the head. You could shoot at anybody you wanted to by just standing still. Yeah. Because you, know, you could go side to side, up and down. You had it all. Look, I'm not saying that I didn't like the ad ad at all. I loved it. I wanted one. I'm not you know. saying you did. I just, uh, uh, to I me, Shaz just rubbing it in. I'm just, exactly. Here I goes. Just, well, Aaron. I was told that Santa doesn't bring $50 pieces of plastic. <laughs> so that was before I had a paper route and I had to actually go out and, and work for like a dollar a day uh, in the neighborhood. It took me an entire summer to save it up. Right. And wow. whenever I had the money plus tax, I said, dad, let's go to Hills. He said, yeah, as we're driving, he said, you're really going to spend three months work on a toy. Oh, I would have been a heartbeat. It's an ad-ad, dad. Oh, I would have. Yeah, this is the whole point. I would have been a heartbeat. In a heartbeat, I would have. uh Yeah. He was so proud whenever I went up there with my dollar bills and change, you know, lots of change to pay for that thing because he's like, this kid understands work. Yeah. Listen, my the first thing I bought with my own money that I had to save up for over the and, and over the course of like three weeks worth of cutting grass and stuff was an Optimus Prime when uh, when they did the nice. new version of Optimus Prime in the late eighties and uh, thirty bucks, man. And I was like, this no one bought it for me. I bought it for myself, and and that toy meant something to me as a ten year old yep. kid. You know, it was like that was that mattered. That mattered. And, of course, now he's going for like $5,000. I'm like, oh, why can't I keep him? Um, I did uh, I did layaway. I did Max Rebo's band. Uh, wow. I put him on layaway because that was how I – I couldn't really save. I wasn't good at saving. So I, I didn't have to save. That's if I the gave I them the money, <laughs> then it would be okay. So I'd go, I'd go in there with a couple of bucks every week, and there's my money for – and then eventually I got Max Rebo. 
Nice. Yeah. <laughs> that was a cool set, though. Oh, I oh, love the Max wonderful. Rebo band. I love the Max. And I, Scott, here's what's fun about when I got that. I got that set. It was just one of those days where my parents were feeling magnanimous, I guess, or my mom was feeling <laughs> such. And so for some reason, we were, at a, we were at a department store and I saw it. I asked for it. My mom's like, yeah, I'll get that for you. You know, and it's like, what? This yeah. is the greatest day in the history of days. Um, she got you magnanimous prime. Yeah, she got no. It was the Max Rebo in the in the oh, electric. Oh. It was Max Rebo in the electric mayhem, and um, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And and so that night, airing I believe on CBS was the Muppet movie. Ooh, and oh, so God. it we were going. I mean, and that was the the whole day centered around the Muppet movie was coming on CBS that night. And we were going to record it, and then there was something had happened, and the president came on TV, and um, and I learned to hate. I Reagan. learned to hate politics. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and so they had to they had to show only half of the Muppet movie that night, and they showed the other. They rescheduled and showed the other half the next night. So the Muppet movie actually ended that first night with. Um, with all of them, I feel like it, it ended with all of them. Um, this looks familiar. Maybe it was, maybe it was familiar. It might have been either there or when they meet Beaker and Bunsen. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, so I, I, I just, I, but I remember that day being just one of those banner days as a kid. It's like, I get a star Wars toy and the Muppet movie is coming on TV tonight. We're going to record it, so I'll never not have the Muppet movie ever again. It's never going to get better than this. Like, that's literally, I mean, no. it's just one of those banner days as a child. It's I think just no, day is banner day. Yeah, I got to say, I don't, I don't think it got any better than that, actually. No. <laughs> I don't know. Steve has been playing with with banner all night in yeah yeah here. i've been sitting here messing with the hulk toy all night long <laughs> this has been my favorite thing i think that i got in 2020 um <laughs> COVID? no I'm no sorry. no this oh. was uh this was the marvel legends maybe this was 2019 when this actually came out so it's still but this was like the marvel legends first appearance wolverine hulk two-pack thing and so it's Tupac. uh yeah, yeah. So it's this Hulk, and he came with a Marvel Legends Wolverine that looks like Wolverine in his first appearance. And um, and but this is the most comic book accurate looking Hulk we've ever had in a Marvel Legends line. And he's just absolute. I absolutely just enjoy the heck out of this thing. And so I like to just sit. I've gotten where I like to just sit here and I'll pick. I'm like a child when you go on a trip. When I sit down to record now. I have to pick a toy to sit here and play with. And so, <laughs> all right, pick a toy. You can only take one. Okay. Um, can I take Captain America and the Hulk? No, just one. You'll lose two. You know, if you bring two, you'll lose one of them. All right. If you brought just one, what was your what? What did you bring on a trip? Oh man, I didn't. Were they Secret Wars figures at that point? I didn't have. I never had any of the Secret Wars figures. Oh, I was. Really? I was all Star Wars. He Man, GI Joe, and then what Transformers my parents could afford for me. Um, but I was really a Star Wars He Man kid for the longest time, and um, and so what I actually did. Now I did take my my Darth Vader case of figures around with me. 
<laughs> I didn't always get to take a ship with me, but I would take those figures with me. And by George, if we happened to be in Waycross, Georgia, and I got to go to pick and save and pick out a Star Wars figure, you better believe I was bringing him home to meet the rest of the crowd. So. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Mine was Boba Fett. I'd stick him in my pocket. It was yeah. always Boba Fett. Bo- oh, really? That's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I, Scott, did you, were you, did you have to have to pick one? If we went on a big trip, I didn't take toys. Um, toys stayed home. My parents would always take me, and this is true, every time we'd go on a big trip, before we did, we'd go to a, a bookstore, uh, and they would give me a budget, and I would buy books. Mm. And so they would, they would have me in books on the whole trip. Uh, and I think a lot of it's because, you know, I had to share car space with my brother, so there wasn't playroom it was just, you know, you're going to sit there and you're going to read and you're going to shut up. And that's going to, so I got some really, I have some really odd books because of the stuff that I was just, I would see and go, Ooh, like I have the novelization, the novelization, mind you, of hero at large. What is hero at large? I thought you were going to say the black hole. No, I do have the, no- yeah, I do have the novelization of the black hole by Alan Dean Foster. Uh, I think AJ Carruthers wrote the novelization of hero at large. I'm sorry. Um, I guess I don't know you don't what hero, hero at large. I sure don't, Scott. Oh my good John Ritter. John Ritter was a hero at large. I'm. I just, oh yes, you have it. You really? I pulled up a picture of it right now. I so love that movie. That was a movie. Yes. Okay. I don't. And I've Archer, never seen oh, it. Oh man. Right now, I'm looking at a TV guide cover that has John Ritter as a hero at large standing there with the William Cat as the great Ameri- greatest American hero. Really? Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, no, John Ritter. He's he plays an actor, who uh, one of his gigs is he goes to movie theaters and poses as Captain Avenger for a new movie release, a Captain <laughs> Avenger movie. Okay. And there's a there's a whole bunch of you know he like gets on a bus full of Captain Avengers and they're all disgruntled and they you know they don't like being Captain Avenger, and uh, he's in a convenience store one night after work and he's got his trench coat on and everything and the the convenience store gets held up. And so he takes off the coat and stops the robbery in his Captain Avenger costume. And they're, oh, Captain Avenger's in. So then he decides he's going to start fighting crime in his Captain Avenger costume. Does hilarity ensue? Hilarity ensues. Fun ensues. um, A scam ensues. It's a very 70s type of thing where the politicians go, you know, you could win your mayoral election if you uh, made friends with the Captain Avenger. You know, that kind of thing. Hmm. It's a... I love the movie. I, I, you know, I don't know what people actually think of it. But I love it. I think it's great. And it's got Anna Archer in it. She's somewhere so in the heart of this city, in a small shop closing for the night. A robbery is in progress, but help is on the way. Mind if I drop in? Captain Avenger. John Ritter is Steve Nichols. How about that? Hero at large. Who are you, J. Edgar Hoover? I'm Captain Avenger. Such a nice boy. He can't fly. Tomorrow I'm leaping over a tall building at a single bound. Wrong guy. I'm expanding. He can't bend steel. I'm in big trouble. Fighting crime is a dirty business. But when there's danger, he can't turn away. You're a crazy man. He dresses up in a comic book suit and goes around doing good deeds. Hold it right there. Don't make another move. If they're going to use the got shot in the arm, by the way. I'll retire. He's loved by women. I'm not always this easy. I bet you say that to all the girls. Cheered by men. They want their superhero and all he stands for to hold on to. And worshipped by children. Captain Avenger. Yes, sir. Let's see you fly. 
A hero's work he's never done. He's nutty, but noble. I'm counting to three, Milo. Who the hell is that? This is Robert Redford. He's dizzy, but dedicated. People putting themselves on the line for other people. That's what being a hero is. But he's really just an actor who got carried away with a role. It's just like any other part. You gotta really get into it. Captain Avenger. Send you out on these missions anyway. Your agent? I took a third-rate movie, made it the biggest hit of the year with a simple gimmick. Oh, Captain who is Avenger that guy? comes to your neighborhood. Authorities are still wondering yeah. who the man in the red, blue, and yellow costume with a large A on his chest really is. It's me, Steve Nichols. <laughs> All he knows okay. about heroes is that people need one. Uh, yeah, I heard it a couple of times. All he could do was make himself hero at large. Well, I think it's really terrific. John Ritter. Ann Archer, Bert Convy, and Kevin McCarthy. Hero at large. At last, help is on the way. At last, help is I on the way. I can't believe you didn't know that one. I thought that was a thing. Never, I thought that was, we all knew that one. Never heard of that at all. I, I'll be honest. I adore that movie. Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm sure there's a mixed reaction to that. But the other thing is I love John Ritter. I think John Ritter is one of the great, great, great talents that was always underrated. Uh, Scott, do you have the Condor Man? Of course I have the Condor Man. I was going to say, uh, yes. do you have the Condor Man novelization? Yes, yes. Wow. I got that Come from on. the Scholastic Book Club. Absolutely. Oh. Scholastic Book Club, yes. <laughs> All right, and here comes hour number three of Geek Out Loud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, as I got older and stopped carrying toys with me when we went places, I did carry comics with me wherever we went. Mm -hmm. And um, my grandmother one year, gosh, when we were little, little kids, I guess she found these things. Either my grand, I don't know if my grandpa was still alive to have made them. Um, or she just found someone who made these things and it like a, like almost like an arts and crafts kind of place or whatever. But basically, you took an old school like dish pan, and someone made these wooden covers that would slide off and on to this old dish pan, and it had a handle on it, and they, and she had different pictures on each one. She gave one to all the grandkids, and so it it said Steve's treasure chest on it, and um and and it was just this neat little thing for a kid. And so I would put stuff in, it, and that's what I would carry my comics around in until I had too many comics to put in there. You oh, know, wow. and so I'd get in the back seat of our van and just reread Fantastic Four 320 or, um, you know, or whatever comic I'd picked up three days ago, whichever, wherever I could find a comic book and just, just chill out and read comics, you know, for, for days in the back seat of that van, man. That was, that was my little haven when we would go off on trips. And, um, and so the comic thing was a big deal later on, but, I guess the last toys I actually carried around with me when I was too old to be carrying toys with me were the uh, Toy Biz Marvel figures when they first came out. The Hulk, uh, Spider-Man, Captain America. They were the very first Toy Biz back in the 90s, early 90s um, that they oh, produced. Oh, that's why I don't know of these. Yeah, yeah. Well, if I wasn't visiting the toy aisle anymore. Uh, and you know what? It's funny. I never stopped. I <laughs> no, no. No, I, I I was a freshman in college, and I remember going because we you know moved to Tallahassee, Brunswick. We didn't have you know the stuff that they had in Tallahassee. Right, they had a Toys R Us in Tallahassee. I was like, wait, there's a Toys R Us. 
and I don't have a car, but it's four miles away. I can walk four miles to go to a Toys R Us. And I <laughs> yes. Would, I would. I would walk four miles to go to the Toys R Us just to see what they had. <laughs> and I would walk 500 miles <laughs> just to we see what toys, toys were. Stark Vegas. <laughs> just to see what toys were on the Apalapa. There's new Star Wars. <laughs> Are they bringing back the G.I. Joe this year? <laughs> Shaz, what you got going on there, Shaz? I got to plug something in. Uh-oh. I find my plug. Shaz Thanks, man. I'm still packed from my trip. So, mm. so Scott, the, the golly. I, now, as far as movie novelizations go, oh boy, I would get into some of those. But again, it was just random because back in the day when you'd get a movie novelization in the middle... There'd be pictures. pictures. Yeah. yeah. And so Some even as of them, yeah. Yeah, even as a little kid, I love to get it. So I remember I was excited to find the Spaceballs novelization. Ah. Because I thought it would have the words that Spaceballs had in it. You know, some <laughs> of the, and, and I thought I was being rebellious and everything. But then um but then I had the Superman four novelization. Ooh. Um which again, I I st- I stand by that movie. I know the problems it has with it, but I also think it had a big heart to it. There were there were others that I would get, and and I feel like that was the way I experienced some movie was some movies was just the, the novelization and not necessarily yeah. the 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 movie itself. I, well, I remember you know, I seem to remember having the Gremlins novelization floating around. Yeah, really. I, I think by George Gipe, if I remember right. God, I think I just... did that and Back to the Future, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong on that, but yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Scott. What? Look, Michael Nip has got a reading by Scott Rifen. We need to get some old <laughs> random movie novelizations. Yes. yes. And have you read excerpts from them. Oh, I've still got, you wouldn't believe that. I mean, like, okay, I've got, like, but the thing, here's the thing. Uh, a, a novel back then, 250. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was, you know about the price of a ticket to see the film but you had it with you forever well and, and, and uh, movie novelizations weren't they were very common back then too it was yeah, not yeah, everything had a novelization everything it, they were paperback usually it was never it mm. was never like a big like you know when star wars would come out especially when the prequels were you know it was like here's six covers of you know the yeah. phantom menace and uh you know yeah. here's this version or you can go to target and get this version of the force awakens it was just like yeah, here the here you go. Here's the latest movies that are out, and someone has taken the time to write what what were they generally two fifty two hundred fifty pages if that yeah about about two hundred fifty pages yeah, yeah. Uh, and I have Ghostbusters yeah oh my uh, gosh I have Back to the Future two and three by Craig Shaw Gardner I have uh, I have Midnight Run of all things <laughs> what dead <laughs> look on Steve's face why Midnight Run. I love Midnight Run. It's one of my favorite movies. I bought the novelization. Um, Shaz and I were talking one day. One of the other things that kills me that like this hyper meta thing is like, remember when Dracula came out, the Francis Ford Coppola Dracula, mm-hmm. Bram Stoker's Dracula? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they did a novelization of a movie based on a novel. Yeah. They couldn't just put out. Yeah. The movie tie-in version of the Bram Stoker movie. Wait a minute. They'd have a guy <laughs> Hold write on. a novel. <laughs> Hold on a second. Wait a minute. So they had the novel Bram Stoker's Dracula based on yes. the movie Bram Stoker's Dracula based on 
Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yes, yes. Based on the novel Push by Sapphire. Yes, yes. <laughs> but but Chaz and I were talking about it one day. I don't know if you remember this or not. And you'd mentioned that there was there were James Bond adaptations. And uh, I went and got the Spy Who Loved Me novelization, not the Ian Fleming book. Yeah, of course. What? Novelization. What? Yes. <laughs> what? That's, have it downstairs. That's kind of mind-boggling. I mean, I guess I that money only once when you can make it twice. That's true. That's true. Capitalism for the win. I guess it does make sense though that you would have a novelization of the movies because the movies were very different from mm-hmm. the books upon which they stole from which they stole the titles or from which they took the titles, I should say. Why isn't yeah. there a Rec Player One novelization? Hmm. Yeah, it's different movie. That's vastly different. And well, and that seems like something. And honestly, that seems like some Ernie Klein would want to do just to be meta because the things he would change from the movie back to the novelization of the movie yeah. would be would be a little bit different. And so now you're totally in the in the other worlds. He couldn't possibly do that because he had to, he had to work on a screenplay for Ready Player Two and a novel oh for Ready Player gosh. Two, which are now two totally different things. I wow. I now have a new kind of just curiosity. Yeah, Fred Saberhagen wrote Bram Stoker's Dracula, the novelization. <laughs> Who wrote it? Fred Saberhagen. Fred, oh Fred Saberhagen. Uh, Fred, yeah, Fred Saberhagen. You're all right. next door that's, neighbor. That's Here a we pen go. Name for a guy named Bram Stoker. Here we go. Here on eBay. <laughs> on eBay, this person has it's a poorly named listing because of one of the films, maybe two, uh, four a, a lot of four '90s movie novels. We'll start with Batman and Robin. Now a blockbuster movie starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, George Clooney, Chris O'Donnell, Uma Thurman, and Alicia Silverstone. Based on the screenplay by Akiva Goldsman, and I don't see... Oh, novelization by Michael Jan Friedman. What I like about that is when they say, now a motion picture, like, like the novel somehow showed up first. Max Collins, based on the screenplay Ooh. by Jim Cash and Jack's, Jack Epps Jr., and Bo Goldman and Warren Beatty, now a motion picture from Walt Disney. This is the novelization of Dick, Dick Tracy. Tracy. That's right. Oh, I can, you can. Oh, you can give me some credits, and I'll get you the novelization. Um, and then this doesn't have a this doesn't have an author on the front, but who framed Roger Rabbit? Oh no, who who framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah, or is it or is it uh, who censored Roger? This Rabbit? This says who framed Roger Rabbit movie Cause... novelization. Because Roger Rabbit was based on a novel, right? Well, this is the movie. This Roger is Rabbit. the movie novelization. <laughs> so, if okay, well, there's another one. And then finally, the Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, a tale of high James adventure. Con. James Con is that? Yeah, I can't see the author there. Let me oh, yeah. let me James click Con's on the actual good. picture. James Con made Poltergeist too good. I never saw either the any of the Poltergeist movies, and Wait, now what? you heard me. And now uh, you heard me. No, I never. Have... I'm scared of them, Scott. I'm never oh, going to watch them. Freak him out. I mean, he something wicked this way comes is something he doesn't like to watch. Oh, that's an amazing movie Not, too. No, yeah. no, Chaz. It's the Watcher in the Woods that I don't oh, like. No, Watcher in the Woods. Watcher oh, in the Woods. Yeah. I, I do. Watcher in the Woods is fun, but I like something wicked this way comes. That is a fantastic movie. Okay, so here we go. Um, Conga. Which is apparently a, some kind of ape movie, but then never before in paperback, the all-time king of monsters, King Kong. The Orca novelization by uh, let's see, Arthur Herzog. 
of course. Jaws 2 by Hank Searles. Hank Searles, yes. <laughs> oh, my there gosh, you caught it. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, Hank Searles yes. and Jaws 2. There were two different covers. There was one with just the shark coming out of the water, and then there was one with a girl skiing in front of the shark. Okay, well, this is this is the one with just the shark coming out of the water. Okay. And then here's Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And by it's, Steven Spielberg. Yeah, it's tributed to Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's as much as George Lucas wrote Star Wars. I was going to say who right. who wrote who was ghostwriting for him. I wonder. I don't know. Now I this is fun. Movie still Ghostbusters writing for uh, uh, um, Star Wars. Alan Dean Foster. Alan Dean Foster. Was that Alan Dean Foster? I yeah. thought it was. But I wasn't sure. And didn't he yeah. write? Didn't Alan Dean Foster get the writing credit Splinter. for Splinter: The Mind's Eye? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then they brought him back to do the novelization for Force Awakens. Did they not? Yes, they did, and he did uh, th- that little incident on Anseon. I'm sorry. I'm trying. The, you know, they the, the, oh, the, the before the storm, Anseon. before the yeah. storm, or the something. Approaching storm, approaching the approaching storm. storm. Oh, that yeah. was Alan Dean Foster. Pretty sure. Wow, he's a boring writer. Um, <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, that was a boring novel, Clash of the Titans by Alan Dean Foster. There you go. Based on he the also original, did the black hole and Alien. Oh my Lanta. And Aliens and Alien 3. Wow. I'm just, I'm blown away. I just put in movie novelizations and all the fun stuff that comes up. The Star Trek movie novelizations. Von yep. and McIntyre. Gene Roddenberry got credit for the first one of those. That also was Alan Dean Foster. Well, he, was it really? he may have actually shot that movie as boring as that one was. <laughs> it's just a, like batteries not included. Is there everything? Yeah, everything it's a, everything. Escape from New York. William Kotzwinkel's E.T. adaptation. Nice. You remember? Oh, I don't remember that. That Here, one seemed a little longer. That one seemed yeah. a little. Um, it had extra pages. Did it really? Well, it was M and M's instead of Reese's Pieces. I remember that much. Really? Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. Is that I didn't so, realize that? Howard the Duck novelization. I have that by Ellis Weiner or Weiner. <laughs> I don't know which one. You're uh, right, right? Yeah, Ellis Weiner. See? Yeah. See? I've got him. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god. This is amazing. You know what Scott should do? Scott should be like a game show host on something like um um Jeopardy? Maybe a game where you answer in the form of a question. Yeah. I think that would be hey. Scott's position. Scott I understand there's an opening. Scott would be more condescending than the late Alex Trebek. <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry. You totally got that wrong. What were you thinking? What is wrong with you? <laughs> 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 oh my but, gosh. Uh, Larry Miller on uh what was it? Oh, it was Larry Miller and uh, Waiting for Guppin. <laughs> you're you're a great fella and we're glad to hear but what's wrong with you? <laughs> All right, here's the one, Scott, that I guarantee you probably didn't have. I, well, I'm not going to guarantee you didn't have it, but if you had it, I don't think you'll remember who did it. Zardoz. I don't have Zardoz. I don't. Sean Connery, Zardoz, I don't have that. John Borman. Wrote the novel? Wow. Yeah. Now, this is screenplay. with Bill Stair. Uh, the Odyssey of Zed, the warrior in the barbarian future, caught between the Brutals and Eternals in a battle for the world. In his underwear. Yes, he's in his underwear. He's he's very much dressed like He-Man with stripper boots. Um, (laughs) RoboCop 2. Ooh, based on the screenplay by Frank Miller. Edna Ha. Okay, that makes sense. That was Frank Miller? Frank Miller wrote the screenplay, yeah. 
Wow. Listen, there's some novelizations of movies that are a lot more recent than I would have thought they did. Really? Yeah, Catwoman from 2004 is in here. Oh, okay, yeah. It was dying at that point. But hell, the, the, the recent Godzilla movies have all been Yeah, adapted. that's true. I saw, I, I've scrolled through some of those. The Prince the of Tides? Of I'm sorry, the Prince of Tides got a novelization? No, 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 no. Yeah. No, it's a book first. Pat Conroy. Okay. All right. Well, this is movie <laughs> second. That, that does not negate the possibility. <laughs> You're right. Ghostbusters, <laughs> the original movie novelizations, Omnibus by Richard Mueller. What is this, I wonder? Uh, I don't, Probably one and two. I didn't get two, but I have one. Okay. And I was kind of like you. I got it for the naughty part. I really got it for, uh, they caused an explosion. Is this true? Yes, it's true. That's been, I won't yes. go beyond that. Right, right. Yeah, that, that's... It, that was not there. Yeah. See, that's what I really thought. I, I got the space balls part for the, I said fire up across her nose, not up it. You know, I'm sorry, sir. I'm trying the best I can. <laughs> who made this man a gunner? I did, sir. He's my cousin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, many we got, how many we got on this ship anyway? And I think they changed it from, from that to idiots in the, oh, in the firing idiots. Star like Trek, that. the wrath of Khan. That was by Vonda and McIntyre. Supergirl. That's seven in the series. Huh? Supergirl. Supergirl. Oh, who did the Supergirl? Norma Fox Mazer. Oh, I don't know her. This is absolutely fascinating. There's I a Spaceballs novelization. Three, my dog chewed it up. Wait a second. What else did Vonda McIntyre write? She did, uh, oh, the Crystal Star. Yeah, okay. And they never let her near Star Wars again. I, I was like, this name sounds way too familiar. The Crystal yeah. Star. Is that the one where he meets that other lady? No, well, that's probably no. That's probably the Children of the Jedi or the Barbara Hambly ones you're thinking of, where she he meets like Callista or whatever her name is. I believe, yeah, her, uh, yeah, Callista. Wasn't Callista the one that thought that the Jedi she were bad like because they're sucking away some of the energy from someone else? Uh, that I don't. She, know. she was. I, think was I remember a Jedi. She was like a ghost Jedi or something. Oh, she was the ghost Jedi in the yeah. ship. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. Callista was a real person. And Luke fell in love with her, but then she died, Mr. Coach Klein. And, um, yeah, let's see. Crystal Star. Oh, 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 here's what happens. On Muntu Kadru, Jason, Jaina, and Anakin are kidnapped. When did that ever happen in the Expanded Universe days? <laughs> I think every other novel, actually. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I do remember this cover. I don't remember what happened in the book, though, to be honest with you. So what was the what was the name of that one? That was Which, uh, the the ones with that. The was it? I want to say it was like Dark Saber or something. But that doesn't sound uh, right. Dark Saber was Kevin J. Anderson. That was the one where the Dark Saber was the the Death Star gun. Death Star they built gun, a new yeah. Death Star gun. Oh, okay. And the Huts were trying to get a Death Star gun. I was going to say there were Huts by, involved. By the but way, Dark I'll, Saber I'll is is a weapon of the Mandalorians. I understand that. Yes, yes. Now, um, by the way, one of the one of the great to me one of the great adaptations, one of the great novelizations is Spider Man Two by Peter David, because he drops so many Marvel Universe, mm -hmm. like greater Marvel Universe Easter eggs into it. You know, Peter David also did the novelization for, and rightfully so, for Hulk. Yeah, uh, the Angley Hulk, and and I'm telling you, the novelization better than the movie. Uh, and not real stretch. No, no, not at all. But, you know, and God bless him. But here's the thing. There was so much of the psychological stuff that they did 
in in the movie that was a result of Peter David's work on the Hulk mm. for for his thirteen year run. You're talking about the Angly Hulk. Yeah. Which Hulk is? When is Hulk ever not Angly? Oh, <laughs> I see. By the way, by the way, Shaz, the last fight, the last Starfighter book, movie, tie-in novelization. Mm-hmm. Guess who? Brian Daly. Nope. Alan Dean Foster. Alan Dean Foster. Yeah. Did that? Yeah. I tell you what, that that last Starfighter moves really fast. By the way, we this this is really turning into a Christmas party. Where we're just sitting around talking now. <laughs> no one is entertained by anything that's going on. Mixler's gone. Everyone was like, "We want to hear your thoughts on the Mandalorian." We've heard them. Now shut up, everybody, and go to bed. <laughs> Why is he still talking? What is? It? Remember when Steve used to actually try? Now. <laughs> Now he's just scrolling through eBay listings for novelization, movie novelizations. I'm entertained. There's, what I love is right now, there are literally people who've listened to this show for years that are like, I remember when he used to try. Remember, <laughs> remember previously on Geek Out Loud? Um, who did so? Peter David did Spider Man two. I bet that was great. Peter David did yeah. Spider Man one as well. The first Spider Man. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Man, I tell you, I don't know what kind of man he is, and I don't want to know what kind of man he is. I hear he's kind of a jerk, but Peter David is like he was for the longest time the guy to write a comic book. Uh, in my opinion, that dude would write, and and it was comic book gold. Yeah, well, he's and he's prolific as all get out. That's what's always killed me about him is he he'll write a million comic books a month and four novels. Yeah, and do do all of it's good. Yeah, I mean, really, how do you do that? Don't know. Wish I knew. Wish I knew. Here's the novelization for Kroll. Hmm. Yeah, that might be Alan Dean Foster. It is Alan Dean Foster, <laughs> Scott. <laughs> it might. It, it. I wonder if that's a slow read. Is it a, is it a slow Looks watch? Like because I got to tell might you something be faster than the film. You know, it might be intriguing. Here are Even slow. here. Interestingly enough, here are all four novelizations for the Indiana Jones movies. Okay, so the first they one did a is, novelization for Crystal Skull. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was done by uh, James Rollins, I think. Oh, um, my Lanta. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the guy. The name of the guy was like, was like Campbell or something. Did the first one Campbell? Is that right? I can't. Yeah, this is not in great shape, and I can't. They don't have a Campbell, really good picture of it to make I out. I think James Conn did the second one. Rob McGregor did the third one, and then uh, James Rollins did the fourth one. All right. So. Well, I see what we've got here. We've we've been tricked. We've been duped. Because you have you have the Raiders of the Lost Ark novelization, which isn't in great shape, and I can't make out the author on it. But then the other three are Scholastic books. Oh. Uh-huh. Kitty books. So Susan Wine did the Temple of Doom. Ryder Wyndham did the Scholastic uh, Last Crusade. That doesn't. I and, actually think I have that. And yeah. I can't make out the author on the uh, on the Crystal Skull. So Ryder Wyndham, huh? Batman, yeah. the movie novelization, nineteen eighty nine. Gardner. Craig Shaw Gardner. <laughs> <laughs> I read that one back in the day too. This town needs an enema. What about Starman? Ooh, John Carpenter. No, I'll, I'll bet I'm going to go with Alan Dean Foster on that one. Alan Dean Foster. Yeah. 
I mean, you could just about fall back on Alan Dean Foster for any of these. Okay, Santa Claus the movie. Ooh, ooh. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go outside the box and go something like Elliot S. Magan or something. Elliot S. Magan with the uh, with a <laughs> with an exclamation point. John D. Yes, Binge. Yes. John. Binge. John, Binge. You okay. you recognize that name? Yeah, yeah. Of course, Crazy. you wrote a lot of that stuff back then. Have you not seen the closet with all these books that Scott has? <laughs> wow. Yeah, but it's the it's the retention of knowledge that just blows my mind. Like just the like that's what that's what amazes me. Anyhow, all right, I got to I got to get out of this spiral. I'm going. I went, I went with I went with Elliot S because of Miracle Monday and the you know the uh, uh, the uh, uh, what's their names the producers of the films, the guys who produced the Salkins who produced oh, Superman yeah, and yeah, also produced right. uh, Santa Claus. Yes, they sure did. So I thought there might have been some cross pollination yeah. there. But Joan Devenge makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, that's that that I'm now officially I'm done. I can't go any further <laughs> down that rabbit hole. Or drag anyone else with me. (laughs) Here's what I love right now. Um, Super young Jonathan Banks in Gremlins. Never caught that before. Who is Jonathan Banks? I don't know. That's some of Michael. Wait a second. Wasn't that uh, somebody from the Tim Curry TV show? Uh, uh, What was that show? The Muppets Treasure Island? No, no, no. The TV show. Clue. Clue. (laughs) Clue. Tim Allen? Oh, oh Jonathan Banks. He's uh he's Mike oh, from Breaking Bad. Oh, never mind. And he is in Gremlins. He's the deputy in Gremlins. Holy cow, great grab, Michael High Nip. Man, Mark Hamill says, feels like a normal night for me. <laughs> Texas Cal Patty says, I'm here, keep chatting. Stephanie says podcasts are the best when you feel like you're sitting next to them, a part of their normal conversation. Well, welcome in. Yeah. Hey, Scott, Shaz, where do you guys stand on the uh Robert Altman Popeye? You know, I've got some buddies who love and adore that movie. And I remember liking it when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I hated it uh, when I was a kid. They wanted me to rewatch it. And about two years ago, I I got over an hour into it and just couldn't anymore. Shut your mouth. I could not. Wow. I saw a very expensive movie that just mm-hmm. didn't move at all and terrible songs. I liked it much better when I was older. I have loved I as a kid. I've loved that movie my whole life. Popeye the movie <laughs> novel paperback Richard J. Annabelle. Um, oh wow. Annabelle. He did a lot of st- scholastic stuff himself. You know who else uh used to do like uh, Dynamite magazine? A guy named Jovial Bob Stein. Jovial Bob Stein. Jovial Bob Stein who then later when he decided to be a horror writer he changed his name to R.L. Stein. Oh wow! Really? Okay, he used to write all kinds of scholastic books. He he did. They did a uh, they did a rip off series of when the the, you know there was choose your own adventure and which way books, mm-hmm. right? And Scholastic did their own series. I'm trying to remember what it was called, um, but he wrote a lot of those. Wow. Those were great books. You know, and they did they some called. games. They did some choose your own adventure games. Yes. Did you play any of them? No, I I almost bought one just to try to so the board games. Yeah, just to do uh to see how it would play and maybe try to do a geek out loud based around one. Oh, now there there was a really cool game my brother brought down uh, Thanksgiving week called Awkward, mm-hmm. and everybody says you have you just have to start telling a story. Sounds about uh, right. And then people just ask questions. 
What? And they play a card, and you have to say something that contains that card in your answer to their question. And if it contradicts something that you've already said along the way, somebody's going to hold up a challenge card, you get no points. Go back to ah. the beginning. So is so you're making up a game? You're making up You're a making up lies. Oh. And uh, we played the first time. It was, it was fun. And then the next time they came down just uh, a week or so ago that I wasn't able to play. I was trying to get stuff done so I could go on this trip. Abby comes in probably 10, 11 at night. She says, I'm the only one who scored a point. I made it all the way through. She said, <laughs> wait a minute. Waiting for somebody to contradict. And they just red card them. They're out. Wait a minute. So Abby's like, I'm the only one who can I'm the lie. Best liar. Mm. I'm the best liar here, which, which if you know my brother, that's all. That's a big deal. Well, here's the, that I was, dude can spin a tail like you wouldn't believe. I was going to say my wife is the most sincere, honest person in the entire world. She would not be able to play this game at all. And, I'll bring it. And as I, <laughs> it'll be there in three hours. And she would be so disappointed in how well I would do. <laughs> <laughs> That would be awkward. So I'm I'm sorry, but I, I, we got off track on the R.L. Stein thing. R.L. Stein did the Scholastic version of the Choose Your Own Adventure books. Yeah, and and in fact, also there there was a series called Find Your Fate Adventures, which oh. were Choose Your Own Adventures that they launched with Indiana Jones, and he did a lot of those. Yes, I remember yeah. those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now they did. Um, they also did a Choose Your Own Adventure deal with. G.I. Joe that I had some of back in the day. G.I. Maybe, maybe that was Find Your Fate. Those might have been Find Your They did like James Bond, and uh, they may have done G.I. Joe as well. Yeah, these were. Yeah, I'm looking at some right now for sure. For sure, these were Find Your Fate books is what they were. Yep. Find and your fate. I would cheat my way through a Find Your Fate book. I'm not going to lie about that. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> I would hold my Shame place. I would hold my place. <laughs> Go to the one they say with your choice. Like, no, don't like that. And if, yeah, and or if you it might can, go two or three steps, and you're like, no, no, going back. Yep. And if it continues forward, I'm good. I'm looking at the ones I had right now. Um, Scott, we were talking the other day because I knew you would know about those books that uh, uh, that got me into into comic books, and and you'd gotten your copies from the old comic book starter set. Yes. Back in the day, out of out of some of the aforementioned catalogs. Um, I told you I was gonna dig them up and i did oh no no i wasn't bringing it up for that i was just saying like you know that it it did could you remember it all maybe i was going to bring it up a little bit like (laughs) did do you remember what those were called at all or did we find that out because we kind of found that out and i guess i forgot There there were two different ones that i had and one was like from fireside publishing i think and the other was like from craft publishing Mm -hmm. and uh Fireside books was the were thicker ones, but uh, the other one I think was called Craft Publishing. I've got them; they're probably next door. Uh, the, the Fireside were like Son of Origins and yes, How to Draw. Uh, they also, okay, yes, they did the Origins, Son of Origins, but they also did like a Fantastic Four book that I have, okay. which reprinted like the Origin story, the Galactus story, and then one other story with the Inhumans in it. Um, yes, you know. yes. Okay, I'm looking right. Okay, my first comics, Marvel's Fireside books. Yes, yeah. I'm looking at the Incredible Hulk right now, with its art by Barb, Bob Larkin on the cover, and that's the one I remember. The story, the the 
the story of Marvel's gamma-powered Goliath. Yeah. Are those the ones? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. I got to find those for a good price. But man, and they those... also did a they also did a Silver Surfer one that was not a reprint. It was an original full book. It was like one of the first, you know, graphic noggle, not noggles. Noggles? Graphic yeah. noggles. Hey, it was a graphic <laughs> noggle, my boy. It's <laughs> McClunky, get that Mc- graphic noggle back in here. <laughs> that was entirely too graphic. Are you serious, Clark? It was a <laughs> it's a graphic noggle. <laughs> I won't be taking that noggle with me when we leave here, Clark. <laughs> that's, that's old noggle. He's got a little bit of <laughs> like Merry Christmas. Noggle was full. <laughs> oh, Christmas vacation. Uh, so they did a super a silver surfer. <laughs> oh, we've broken. <laughs> Noggle Rookus! It was what took you out. It was the Noggle got me. Oh, man. So, anyway, um,. Oh man, yeah. Welcome uh, to Geek Out Loud. <laughs> Chris, Christmas can grum it. Scott, it was a noggle, Scott. Noggle. What about the kids? Well, welcome to Geek Out Loud, everybody. We're just going to start over. <laughs> we can't. We can't. Oh, well. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, we've been going for a while, huh? Oh, about fifteen minutes or so. Yeah, so um, pull up the old. <laughs> I just now looked back at the recording. Fortunately, I don't have the problem Scott had with that last Jedi commentary that one time. <laughs> I can click away and come back, and yeah, it's still there. Sure enough. <laughs> oh man. Speaking of that, uh, before we go, and and I do, we do need to go. We need to wind her on down. Um, <laughs> Chip Orlikowski says, breathe, guys. Um, don't wind down that McClunky. Uh, as we, as we near, as we, as we come to Christmas, and of course it is the most wonderful time of the year, and as we, um, move on into, uh, the new year, uh, you know, one thing people do make the New Year's resolutions. Mm. And so, um, I I asked you guys the other day if you'd be down for this, and I'd like us to make a New Year's resolution, if you're both amenable to it, that in 2021, uh, we get together at least electronically via, you know, the Skype or whatever, and uh, go ahead and and do some commentaries for the rest of those Star Wars movies. Because all we ever did was the sequel trilogy and uh, Rogue One. I think it'd be fun to walk through the saga. We sort of did the sequel trilogy. <laughs> right. We did the sequel. <laughs> we did the sequel trilogy. We did two of the sequel trilogy and and then some of one. 
<laughs> but let's be honest, yeah. we did the best part of the <laughs> <laughs> the introduction and yeah. the opening crawl. That was the best so part. So you're planning on doing commentaries on the Kenner commercials. Yes, yes. Mm. Yes, and yes. we will make fun yeah. of the kid for saying 4-L-O-M. You heard it's me, Shaz. error. Suck us 4-L-O-M. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you guys some things, by the way. Oh well, I made an executive decision. I'm going to send you guys some things. Okay, executive. Would you like to know? Yeah, what, this what? is what I'm going to send Steve. I was I'll, pestering I'll, him about I'll, it about a year ago. I'll just just wait. <gasps> uh oh. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to send Steve the retro collection Escape from Death Star game, and I will I, and I will open Tarkin. Yes, and I will open it and put that Tarkin in. The Death Star playset with other vintage-looking nice. figures. And Shaz, for you, I have two Richard Hatch Battlestar Galactic Battles. Wow. And That's the best. A Blu-ray. Can you read the Blu-ray? I've got it. Zippity-doo-dah, man. Song of the song, South. Song of the South. Sweet potato Sweet pie potato and pie, hush your mouth. Hush my mouth. Sweet potato pie is not pumpkin pie, Steve. No, it's not. not. You're right. You're right, Chess. You're right. It's not. It's. I mean, they're basically the same thing, just with a different vegetable. No. No. It's totally different. Okay. If you say so. I mean, you can live in your little world over there all you want to. All orange is orange, man. It's orange on the inside of that sweet potato. It's orange on the inside of pumpkin. It's got to be the same thing. No, I know the difference. It's a plant. I don't know anything about it. That's right. Exactly. That's what that's what amazes me, Scott. Thank you, Scott. With the with your with your weight loss, that absolutely is what blows my mind. Is that I know your aversion to plant to plant life. And so oh, it's not an aversion. I don't do it. It's <laughs> Yes, whereas my wife is a grain free vegan. Scott is truly the complete opposite of that. Yeah. Scott's like yeah, we can split meals. That's right. Scott's like everything she's going to eat, leave it off my plate. <laughs> <laughs> what, what what are y'all eating Christmas? I'm, I'm I'm fixing to go get me some steaks. I'm oh gonna no, grow some steaks for Christmas. Rib roast, standing rib roast. Oh wow, nice. that's fancy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> let me let me see if my wife is listening right now or not. <laughs> Yeah, she's still on. I'm excited to say that I'll be with her family, and they're doing a finger food buffet. A finger food buffet. Oh, they're no. cannibals? Oh, no. No, they're not cannibals, but it's like, you I've, know. I've, I've already, this finger food, it goes in the same category for Steve as light refreshments. That's, well, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> finger food is light refreshments. <laughs> that's not a meal. Now, what I did the other day, my wife has perfected. She 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 made she's been making some sausage balls to make sure she could make them well on Christmas Day for the finger food buffet. And so I love a good sausage ball, you know. And um, and so she had some she made for her Sunday school class the other morning, and she brought some home. And so I was eating a little bit that was left over on Monday or Tuesday. I had some, and but what I didn't tell my wife is I'd gotten lunch at McDonald's earlier that day. <laughs> and so she thought all I had eaten were like the little handful of sausage balls that were left over. And she's like, oh, and they just happened to be finger food. And I could never admit to her that I'd already had <laughs> McDonald's. <laughs> 
And she was so proud that like she'd back me into the corner. She thought I was hoisted on my own petard about the finger food. <laughs> and so she kept bringing it up all week long and all. And finally, day I'm like, let me tell you something. I had McDonald's that day. So there. Like, I'm going to hurt you with my choices in a bad diet right now. And so, um, yeah. So we're having a finger food buffet. That's going to be so neat and and refreshing from your Light regular Christmas fare. Yeah. So, Shaz, you are going to be grilling steaks, huh? Yeah, well, you know, uh, before I went on my trip, the plan for Christmas morning was my wife was going to make one of those uh, breakfast casseroles. Mm. And we were going to grandma was going to come over and we're going to wait to open things till we're all there mm-hmm. eat the breakfast and do that i get back from the trip and abby comes up to me she says dad can you believe mom said she was going to make a breakfast casserole i mean it's gravy and biscuits it's christmas you make gravy and biscuits every christmas i said yeah well you know she said no you're making gravy and biscuits jessica looked at me and said yep you're making gravy and biscuits oh Oops. so you're making biscuit and gravy for christmas morning oh yeah i always do Okay. I thought I was off the hook, but evidently yeah. not. So then but, I'm going to grill. Yeah. The steak. By the way, last time when you told me how to grill on on charcoal, yeah, they were fantastic. Wonderful. Well, good. I will be following the same time. That sounds great. But listen, and standing rib roast, Scott. Yes, sir. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I, I know y'all are jealous. A little more. I know y'all are jealous of the finger food buffet. <laughs> but after after your appetizer, Steve, come on down. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, love, I want everyone to know I love my wife. I'm thankful for my wife, and I love Haley her. Yes, we eat vegetables, and I love her well, family. Haley can come because there will be vegetables here. Yeah, but they just won't. In fact, I won't be taking any, so she can have mine. Well, so that's <laughs> so well, it's the I, mid between the three of us. But now, maybe, just maybe, I, I'm thinking I may try to sneak out and get some meat. To put on the grill <laughs> at some point over the weekend for myself. I need some graphic noggles for lunch. Yeah, I need a. I'd like to smoke some noggles for Christmas. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think that's what they use for the McRib, if I'm not mistaken. Noggles? <laughs> yeah, smoke noggles. <laughs> it's back. Our smoke noggle McRib. Now in all 51 states. 52 if you're yeah 52 if you're a former president um so anyhow well guys hey y'all thanks so much for hanging and doing this tonight i've had a blast and um are you talking to the mixer people or us i'm talking to you guys you two oh, Scott, yeah, oh, yeah thank you and also no, this was joy yeah also thanks to the mixer people of course but yeah. during yeah but uh but no serious business really appreciate you guys being here and, and hanging out and um and I hope you guys both have a Merry Christmas. I'd hoped Lethargic Chewy was going to be able to chime in tonight, but he was with the with the in-laws and um, celebrating Christmas and stuff. So, uh, And I'll be honest, I didn't reach out to Adam or Arish, so Adam's going to have his feelings hurt, but we still love Adam. <laughs> and uh, and Arish is, will have his feelings hurt, and I still love him. But uh, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We can, we can pretend like we're on Adam's internet connection. We can go, Merry Christmas. <laughs> you know what since he started using zoom there's something about the zoom platform that really knows yeah. how to stabilize things and um, oh my yeah so he's been i will be honest with you i've been editing 
bit by bit on his My Star Wars Story episode for about eight months. Yeah, now. yeah. <laughs> Been there. So, <laughs> but uh, no, seriously. And speaking of Adam, guys, check him out. Uh, Adam Bray, his website on his Twitter and everything. Yep. I'll give him a plug. He's one of the good guys and yes. uh, and worthy of your attention. And, and buying some books from him, he'll sign them, send them out to you. It's a great gift, even though... Obviously, it won't be there by Christmas at this point, but it's always good to do that, and that really helps him out throughout the year. Um, yep. Scott Rifen is on WGIG out of Brunswick on iHeartRadio, Mondays through Fridays, uh, starting back on January 4th. Yep. You'll be back around there live Monday through Friday on uh, on WGIG. Shaz Bazaar is Shaz Bazaar. You're not doing Techno Retro Dads right now, are you, Shaz? No, I'm doing videos now. Doing videos, doing church videos now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the email is geekoutonline at gmail.com. All the Twitter stuff is geek out loud, I guess. I don't know. Our Goldiverse <laughs> group is um, is on Facebook. You can get there by going to geekoutonline.com slash group. Check out the Chewy's Cantina by going to geekoutonline.com slash cantina. Use the Amazon links with all your Amazon gift cards you get this year for Christmas. And when you do your Amazon shopping, go over to Geek Out Online or geekoutpodcast.com and use those Amazon links. If you want to support us on Patreon, we'd appreciate that. Patreon.com slash geekoutloud. For Scott, for Shaz, until next time, Merry Christmas. I'm Steve Gloss, and we'll see you on the next Geek Out Loud. That's a mashup of Carol of the Bells and the Imperial March. Yeah. Nice. Nice. That dude's name is, uh, he's on uh, Twitter or on YouTube, Samuel Kim Music.